Providence, Rhode Island. This is your station, your music, the world famous. WXIN. Providence, Rhode Island, USA. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Stadium Experience with your host, Jake Elms. It's a show where we talk about the latest and greatest happenings in the world of sports here on 90.7 WXIN. I am joined here today by Job Goddard, and we are going to be talking about a lot of things. Today. we got a lot to talk about. The Red Sox win last night. we got the trade deadline around the MLB, and we have yet more thoughts on the ever-evolving David Price and Dustin Pedroia situation. And after that, we'll be diving into some Patriots training camp's takes. we talk about some things that could potentially hurt the Patriots and some things that could help the Patriots. And just really anything regarding the Patriots. And the phone lines are still down. But if you want to join in on the conversation about anything that we're going to be talking about or anything you want to talk about, don't be afraid to tweet at me, at Jake R E L M S L I E. That is at Jake R Elmsley. Anyway, you are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. And with all that on the table, we are going to dive right in. And hello there, Job. Hi. How you doing? Good. So before we start, you are... Uh, I'll just I'll introduce you. You're a friend of mine from DC, and you write for was it real101sports.com? Real Sports 101. Real Sports yeah. 101. It's a UK site. Yeah, and I was it's a UK site. Okay, yeah. so I was checking that out before um, after I booked you to come on the show. I didn't really know what it was, and it was kind of a cool service, right? So you, the way it works is that anybody can sign up to be a writer, and after they're approved, they're allowed to just post on there. Yeah, to an extent. I mean, all my stuff goes through an editor, um, and I had to. Uh Send in a few trial articles, you know, see what I what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, um, get a few tips, and now I try to write at least one or two articles a week. Uh, currently, I'm covering Major League Baseball, mostly the Red Sox, and uh, I also cover uh, NBA. Okay, so that's interesting. That's, that's good. So that's something to check out if you are an aspiring writer right now and you don't mind working for free. That is realsports101.com. Job Goddard here. So anyway, um, the first thing we were going to cover was we were going to. Um, Talk about the trade deadline, but after I think we both agreed after last night's game, we would rather uh, before we get into the trade deadline, we want to really kind of dissect last night's uh, twelve to ten win by the Red Sox over the Cleveland Indians. There's so much to talk about here. I mean, we can go from the catch to the pitching to just everything. Anything. And it definitely wasn't a game that I expected because I tuned into the game like, all right, like this is a Chris Sale game. These usually only take like two and a half hours. He's so fast. This will be great. I missed the first inning. Click into it. The down three nothing. I'm like, oh, did 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 Sale go on the DL now? Like, what happened? Like, is did they, did they throw Porcello up there? Like, what's going on? And then I looked it up, and Lord behold, he, yeah. So yeah, Chris Sale was not good last night. He went five innings, eight hits, seven earned runs, which was easily his worst start of the year. Real, The worst game we've seen out of him in Boston. But then the bullpen did not bail them out at all. Addison Reed made his debut in the eighth inning, let up a home run. Uh, Kimbrell came in in the ninth, also let up a home run. Put the, put the Red Sox down by one, then ninth inning... Also, Moreland was... They had, he was totally out. They had He struck out. Two players. They had two players during this game who were thrown out at home base. Adding to the Red Sox, league-leading total in guys thrown out at bait, at the plate. Both in Moreland and who else was it that got thrown out at home? Uh, I do believe it was Chris Young on the, yeah. after the triple. Yes, Chris Young was also thrown out at home. So the Red Sox still have the all-star base running going on there. And then... In the ninth inning, <laughs> Mitch Moreland got struck out for the third out. It was a wild pitch. Got to first. 
then Christian Vasquez came up, who had really not been helping the team behind the plate. Obviously, Christian Vasquez started last night. Sandy Leone was hurt. Could have played, but was hurt. Could have played in an emergency, but they wanted to give him the day of rest. So Vasquez was a starting pitcher, and Vasquez hit a three-run dinger to put the game away in what was, I mean, one of the most entertaining games of the season. But I'm not here to talk about how entertaining things are. I'm here to talk about how they affect the team, and I... And I know I'm starting to hear people go around. People are saying, oh, this is this is the turning point. This is where the team really, really shows what they're made of. And I let's pump the brakes on that, everybody. Like, let's before we, you know, get the circle jerk going, let's I want to wind that back. Because, yes, it was a good win. In a way, they showed some balls. They were able to give Sale run support for once, which is huge. First time all season. Yeah, the game he has the worst game. So I mean, there is value to that that they bailed him out. There's def that their ace was struggling. They bailed him out. There's definitely value to that. And I don't think this is a start of any kind of a trend for Sale. I want to think not. If he now, if this was happening in the postseason, then I'd be worried. I'd be very worried about Sale just because not even his makeup. I think he has to make it to succeed in the postseason, but he's never. He's never that, played there. He's never gotten that far into the season, so I'd be a little afraid that it was a wear and tear situation. I'm not worried about Sale, but so it was good that the team was able to give him run support. Now, I am worried about the late game pitching, because that was very concerning. Kimbrell gave up his third home run in his last eight innings. Kimbrell has really been teetering off since the All-Star break, really. Addison Reed... Didn't play well. Now, I'm willing to not worry too much about Reed just yet. Just because, I mean, you know, it's his, it's his first start. It was his first day in Boston, really. So I'll I'll give him a break. I'll, I'll cut him some slack. I still really like the addition. And we'll get into what I think about the addition later when we get to our trade deadline segment. But, yeah, there's just a lot to take away from that game. And it's a good win for the team. If they string together a couple of games like that, then... Then we have something. Yeah, then maybe I'm like, oh, maybe they're turning it around. Maybe they're not dicks anymore. Maybe they're not babies, which I'm not actually willing to say. But I'd at least consider it. But, I mean, yeah, like, uh, Joe, what are your what are your takeaways from the game? Uh, what, what? So my first takeaway is that Chris Sale had Christian Vasquez behind the plate and not Sandy Leone, his everyday catcher. Yeah, this um, was also Vasquez's so first time ever catching, catching for, sale. for Sale. So um, so I take, I take away from that that there's a little bit of uh, unfamiliarity there, which is okay. We can endure. And Sale um, is, has also came out and said that he never doesn't throw the pitch at his Yeah, he's only shaken it. off his catcher once in his entire major league career, yeah. um, according to his previous catcher with the White Sox. Yeah. And um, so that's a big issue. Um, yeah. Hopefully Sandy Leone is, is just needs a day of rest and he'll be back tomorrow or maybe mm-hmm. the next day, depending on how Vasquez is playing. Because Vasquez is behind the plate right now. Oh, he was letting things good, fly. But mm, he wasn't his, great. But his hitting is on fire his in hit, the last on, five games. Yes, he had. I think he's 11 for 22. Yeah, he's been. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, the bottom of the lineup has been producing lately for yeah, them. Which has and been uh, that's huge. Crucial. Yeah, I mean, Vasquez had three hits, three, three runs, three RBIs, and five at-bats. Anyway, so continue. So my second takeaway from this whole thing is the usage of Craig Kimbrell. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's being overused all season long. Uh, it was brought up in April and May by, you know, between the Sports Hub and WEI and the Boston Herald, it was something that was covered. You know, this bullpen needs help. Where is Carson Smith? You know, where is Tyler Thornburg? <laughs> we know where Tyler Thornburg is. Yeah, exactly. So that's something that I, I was a little bit worried about 
Um, I mean, and it's starting to show some wear and tear. Mm-hmm. I mean, his fastball might not show any velocity points taken off it. You know, he's still throwing yeah, hard. He's still throwing. He, but like the home run he pitched was a 99 mile per hour fastball. It was just over the middle over of, the middle of the, the plate. plate. And now he's an, he's given up nine oh, hits count. in his last eight innings. That's all. It's also true. also he was not giving up hits. And this is a guy who to, does not give up hits to right-handed batters. I believe that he didn't have a right-handed batter get a hit on him until his. 50th. I think that's I think that's correct. He also they were hitting like 176 yeah. against him or something like that yeah. so far this season. So Kimbrel has teetered off. Yeah, in a he's big starting way. to slow down, Which and the rest of the bullpen hasn't stepped up. No, and he's been the one reliable guy all year. Every time Matt Barnes steps up to the to the rubber away, You're we're scared. in for trouble. Yep. I I cross my fingers. I hold my breath. Mm-hmm. At home, he's fantastic. Yeah, he's terrific. On the road, we Not have Kimbrel, and that's it. Yeah. Or you have a bunch of guys you feel good against a left-handed pitcher, batter. Or you have a bunch of guys you feel good about against a right-handed batter. No one feels good in no. any situation except Craig Kimbrell. Workman was kind of threw together a little stretch for a couple of games, but he's come back to earth. That's a problem. They um, don't have anybody, which is why the Addison Reed edition, I think, is big for them. And also not just because it's another solid reliever, but also because he's a guy who can close. And he's a guy who I trust in almost any situation. Yes. Obviously, last night is not the greatest introduction to a Red Sox uniform or no. the Boston media, but if you watch this guy's tape from the Mets, he, was, he can pitch. He's been very good. And once again, he's another guy who closed for them, so he could potentially be somebody who could help take some pressure off of Kimbrell and play on some of those nights when you're like, okay, maybe we shouldn't use him you know, three nights in a row. So going into last night, um, since May 24th, He'd been pitching to a 154 ERA, which is huge. Yes. Uh, I mean, granted, he's playing in the National League East, where there's the Nationals, a big gap, and then everybody else. Yeah. But, but he's fantastic. He's played to his comp. I mean, he's beat his competition in front of him. You can't fault And him. the deal is a good deal. We'll get into that yes. uh, when we talk trade deadline. But that was one thing I took away from it. The other thing I took away from it is, wow, this offense actually has some life. I was not expecting mm-hmm. the offense to do anything. With Chris Sale on the mound, they averaged something like two runs a game. Yeah. Something terrible. Yeah. yeah. No, they've been absolutely terrible. Chris Sale should be undefeated. Chris Sale should not have a loss to his name. Exactly. Honestly. And he's, you know, say what you want about Corey Kluber. Chris Sale is the AL Cy Young. Like, there is no yeah. doubt in my no, mind absolutely. he's the AL Cy now, Young. His ERA is probably about to go up about a point. Yeah. His ERA just went up drastically because but, he just broke up, you know, 26 and a third innings that he hadn't given up a run. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, even though, no, he has absolutely been the best pitcher in the American League. He's absolutely done. So, I mean, and they have not given him run support. So, once again, there's a lot. There's value to the team picking him up. There's oh, definitely, definitely something definitely. to look and say that that's a positive. You can get, gain something from that. I'm just, once again, I don't want Red Sox fans to get overexcited that suddenly everything's fine. I was I was hearing some comparisons to the 04 Red Sox and having... You know, Eduardo Nunez is Orlando Cabrera, the big yeah. spark we need. Yeah. Oh, and David yeah. Price is Nomar Garcia Parra. He's playing amazing but hates Boston and wants out. Yeah, no, don't. Not. You know, yeah. hold on. Slow yeah. down all here, the, people. All of my concerns with this team are still there. None of them have gone away at all. A lot of them would go away a little bit for me tonight with a victory. If we can win if they can behind Rick Indians, Porcello, I'm going to be happy because Rick Porcello is 4-14 and 14 this year. Yep. And he should be at least 10 and. 10 and 6. Yeah, like, you know, if you count all the games that he's got no run support and uh, thrown out a decent start, I think he is a much better pitcher than the numbers show this year. Mm, I can't say. I mean, Rick Porcello has been hot garbage this year. Oh, yeah, but that's that's but how no, I view the they, Red Sox rotation behind Chris Sale. They haven't, they haven't been giving 
No, I've liked the rotation. I've liked what Price has given them. I've also liked Pomeranz. Are you not a fan of Pomeranz then? So, I wrote about the Pomeranz trade at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, last oh, well. season, I thought it was a, a disastrous trade. Yeah. No, um, it was. I was not. I was not happy with what we gave up for him, and that's why I'm not a baseball GM because Dave Dombrowski clearly saw something that I didn't see, and this kid has come through and pitched terrifically as the number, really the number yeah, two no, starter been, in this rotation. He's been good. No, absolutely, he would be the. I mean, if you were in a playoff series after Chris Sale, he's the number two guy. You pitch Palmer. Okay, yeah. I agree with that. Um, but behind that, I mean, right now we're throwing out Doug Fister for every fifth day, and he's got a 6.52 ERA. I mean, granted, he pitched a gem the other night against the Indians, mm-hmm. went into the eighth inning with no runs allowed, mm-hmm. and then gave up a two-run shot. Yeah. But he's been fantastic in last start, but before that, Doug every Fister time he goes out, it's a loss. You can chalk yeah. up an L on the on the mm-hmm. you know scoreboard. So that's kind of – the Red Sox rotation, as far as I'm concerned, is kind of a hot mess. Um. And the bullpen has not been much better. But they were, you know, and like I said, you know, last night's win was good, but a lot of my concerns with the team was still there. The hitting was there. They were hitting for power last night, which is great. Which but is a first. Which also, I don't think we're just going to continue to see that. I mean, I count, you know, Ramirez opposite field yeah. home run, if you will, yep. um, because it was totally robbed by Austin Jackson and what is definitely the catch of the year. Yeah, that was also power. Um, that's a good point. That's, that is that is opposite field power that yep. you haven't seen from Hanley since Ortiz left. And that's big because Hanley's the one guy on this team who you're looking at and saying, like, if, anybody, step up. if anybody on this team is going to be able to step up and have that middle of the lineup opposite field power, it has to be Hanley. He's the guy you brought in hoping he would be a 30-home run guy. Exactly. And he, he gave it to you last year behind David Ortiz. But and he stepped up in the second half of the year. So I've been holding out that there was nobody they were going to add at the deadline who was going to give them that. See, I didn't see any teams that were willing to move a power bat. Exactly. Power is down this year exactly. in the AL East, with the exception of Aaron Judge. Exactly. Well, home runs are up across the league. But though. home runs are up. The league has had a record in home runs. But, yeah, Hanley was a guy who I'm like, okay, if anybody's going to step up and give them that, it's going to be Hanley. Because there are other guys on the team who need to step up and hit better, but none of them are pure power hitters. Even Mookie Betts. It's not a pure power Isn't hitter. really a traditional power hitter. He's got the line drive swing that, you know, clears the monster. But you still, good for 20 home runs a year. You're not afraid to pitch away from Mookie Betts. No, you're not. Because if you, pitch, you know he's not going to hit it out exactly. every single time. If you pitch away from him, he's not going to hit it. Whereas Hanley Ramirez, Hanley, you can expect a home run best. when he's playing well. Exactly. When he's hot, he's hot. Exactly. He can hit. So if Hanley can continue that, and he's been very good. He's been good as of late. Out of the deadline, Hanley has been good. Hanley has impressed me. Hanley has seemed locked in. I've been po- I was very down on Hanley for the first half of the year. Mind you, I was. I said that they had to keep him. I was never saying that they need to get rid of Hanley because in the end, I accepted that they need Han. They need the best version of Hanley if they want to do what this team wants to do and so- win baseball games. Exactly, that's what they want to do. That's the objective. And of the you season. can't move on from Hanley because even if he's being a pain in the ass. He's the guy who, need, who, if he steps up, you'll be able to win, and you're not going to be able to get what Pete Hanley can get you anywhere else on this roster. And he's been willing to play first base more the last couple of weeks, which has been good to see. But, yeah, so Hanley hit with power. But, like I'm saying, you know, you can't really expect Mitch Moreland to keep up what he's been doing. Mitch Moreland, you know, Mitchy two-bats is what yeah. they called him the first two weeks of the season. He's still, like, number nine in the league in doubles, and he's hitting two thirty two in the last you know, three months. Yeah. That can't be expected. And, you know, no. I know he's playing through an injury, and I, I hate to tear players for trying to be tough and trying to tough out an injury, but they needed some help on offense. And yeah. Luckily, and they, last night he got his swing back and cleared an easy 
you know, over yeah, the that over the middle of the plate fastball. I mean, that first home that home run in the second inning. I mean, that was what put them back in the game. Yeah. Otherwise, that, you take the breath out of their sails with Chris Sale. Yeah. And after that, I think the game it. ends if you leave the second inning down five. Nothing. Then again, I thought it was over when Mitch Moreland stepped to the plate on an eight pitch at bat and struck out. You never know what's going to happen. This yeah, is that's baseball. Fair. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, like I was looking, I'm like, okay, like Mitch Moreland strikes, you know, if Mitch Moreland hit that home run, I feel like the team kind of shuts down at that point. Oh, I agree. They totally unengage and they go, oh, oh well, we'll yeah, win tomorrow. You don't, you don't have Hanley hustling. You don't have Hanley trying to really hit anything. You have all that stuff. And, but no, it didn't happen. So once again, I give the team credit for fighting back. But I just don't, I don't think that all this power is going to just continue. So outside of that, because they're not going to suddenly all go- get hot and be hitting like they were last year. Yeah, you're not going to see home runs like that from Christian Vasquez on a regular basis. Exactly. That's, that's, a, that's a you know drop in the bucket from Christian Vasquez. That He's got one home, home run, run all year. Yeah. So all my so all the other concerns with the team outside of the power which they had last night, but they're not going to maintain, were still front and center on this team. Once again, you had. Two guys getting, not one guy, you had two guys getting thrown out at home. You had Brock Holt trying to juke the catcher. And you still had the bullpen was not, sta- the bullpen was bad last night. The bullpen gave it up and luckily someone can- you know, the guy, you know, your number one and who, the guy who hopefully will be your second best bullpen arm, both gave up home runs. And then you have, you know, how often is it that you're going to get a home run off so- that somebody hits off? You know, Andrew Miller of all people. Exactly. That guy can pitch. Exactly. Um, he's well, given up Miller very few home runs. It? it wasn't Miller who was in at the end, was no, it? No, Miller gave up a home run in the, uh, in the, I think it was the eighth inning. Right. Uh, or not even a home run. He gave up a double, I'm sorry, to uh, Chris Young. And Chris Young took third base on the throw. Right, right. Uh, but it was a bases clearing double. And uh, it's not often that you're going to see someone get around on an Andrew Miller fastball. Yeah. And uh, that was a little shocking to me. I don't really know. Um, how you can trot out two bullpen guys who are supposed to be your closer A and closer B, as John Farrell put yeah. it, and, and lose and lose the game. So if they lost that game, it would have been one of the this, biggest losses that of the been season. A very, that's another point I wanted to get. Thank you for reminding me that this would have been a very bad loss. It would have been ugly. That would have been. This would have been a like a could have been. A, I don't know. I don't want to say a season altering loss because I'm not willing to say it's a season altering win. Exactly. So, so I'll be fair and not say it's a season. It would have been a season altering loss, but. Once again, you know, it would have been bad if they had lost this game. This would be a very different conversation. So let me let me ask you a question here. This is something I was I was reading about earlier. Yep. What do you think the 2004 Red Sox were after Veritek punched A-Rod? Because that was what was ter- deemed as the turning point for the 2004 Red Sox. I mean, what do you mean about it? I mean, they played 500 ball for the next yeah, three I mean, weeks. What, what, what do you ask me? Like, what do I think of it? Yeah, so these, can, this, can you really have a one win that defines your season that pushes you to a new level that turns the page because I mean you can't you can and if like you know from here on out they're red hot and I mean you know they if they sweep they sweep if they win tonight then they sweep the Indians and they have a series against the red against the White Sox who are a team of minor leaguers at this point they traded their whole team absolutely terrible team and, then and you, if we don't win at least two or three from the White Sox I'm ready to abandon ship on the Red Sox I'm I not I, eh, but I mean, depending on what happens. But they you know they take out the White Sox and then go into a series against the Rays. Like yeah, I'm saying, like if after this they're red hot and you can tell like some a switch went off in this team, then yeah, I'm willing to come back to this and say yeah, okay, like this was when it happened. But at this exact moment, we can't say yeah, that I don't feel it's a new team. I don't feel significantly better about this team. 
I feel like the holes are still there. Exactly. They're covered a little bit by the heroics of Christian Vasquez, but, but they're not, still there. I don't feel like you're going to get that. And if Christian Vasquez hits like 20 home runs in yeah. route to the World Series, then, then fine. But, then fine, I'm wrong. You know, I'm just predicting, I'm just playing the odds here of what's going, of what I think will, what's more likely to happen. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, once again, I'll look back on this and say like, oh, like, never mind. Like, this was the turning point. It very well could be, but... I want to see it first. I still have my concerns about the team. I still have my concerns about the softness of this team. Yeah, well, the- you know, what's interesting is since, you know, Dustin Pedroia hasn't played in three games or four games now and has been re- retroactively placed on the 10-day disabled list. Yep. And uh, David Price hasn't been pitching, even though he claims that the pain is a 1 out of 10 and could have gone last and week. threw 25 pitches yesterday Yeah, in exactly. Practice, yep. And said, uh, I could have gone. And isn't hurt. The team is playing better. The team is better without these guys in the go- lineup, which is surprising to me when you know you have these guys standing up like Pedroia as the leader and all that stuff. And yeah. uh, it's something we'll get to later, I'm the sure. Leader. Oh, we will. Um, but it shocks me a little bit um, that you can have a pitcher because the Red Sox need David Price to perform. Absolutely, there's no doubt about no. it. As a fan, I want to root against David Price. But I team, really don't the, like David Price. No, I don't think anybody does. But, but the, the team needs him to produce if they want to go far yeah. into the postseason. And he's not a postseason pitcher. This is the time of year they're paying him for. Hopefully, to, he is a post. You know, you just gotta hope. But yeah, we gotta hope. I mean, he's what zero and eight in the postseason. Oh, we um, don't need we, those numbers have been beaten to death yeah, so far. Bad. So we're we are bad. paying him. We are paying him one million dollars a start for these kind of starts. Yeah, these starts and this time this time of the season to pitch well. Um. And he's not, and we're still winning games. So I'm okay yeah. with that. Um, you know, we have a tough we, we have a tough road trip coming up. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the Rays and the Yankees, both tough division opponents, and Those both of them are still in the race. Very so, important series for the team. Even yep. even if you know the Yankees improved and the Rays did nothing at the deadline, um, they're both they're both still series, they're yeah. both still critical series because if the Rays go in and sweep you, all of a sudden they're back in the race, and you know the Yankees are going to be in first place. Yeah, and the Red Sox are back in first place right now. As of now, which I'll give them credit for because I was giving them crap when they were out of first place. So, I mean, I'm willing, you know, I was giving them crap for being a half a game back. So, I'll give them credit for being a half a game ahead, I guess. But, yeah. So, it is interesting that suddenly, you know, without the leader, Pedroia and all that, they've been playing better. And I don't, you know, and we've obviously, and, you know, I guess this is kind of where we'll move into the next topic, which we'll be talking I don't need to label the topics, but, you know. <laughs> Let's talk some trade headline. We'll move it. Okay, we'll get to that in a second. But, you know, without Pedroia, the – and Pedroia on the field, honestly, even with, like, obviously probably the big storyline lately has just been how disappointing it is really to kind of maybe, like, the real Dustin Pedroia is kind of starting to emerge. I mean, on the field. Oh, he produces. He, he gives you everything. I mean, he does everything. He gives you, you 100% yeah, every he, single day, and he's yeah, the role so model I, for, you know, for kids on across field, baseball. On field. Clearly, on-field. Clearly, we're learning the off-field isn't uh, so hot with Pedroia, but on-field. So, I don't want to attribute the team being suddenly playing the way they have. Because to, he's not a disruptive influence on the field. Because to Pedroia. So, I don't I don't know if I want to put too much stock in that and Price and Pedroia not being here, that affecting the team. Because they're still, and not so much Pedroia, but Price, like the, those, all these guys are still around the team. Like, it's not like they've been gone and they're like, oh... Yeah, it's not like they've had surgery and are no longer around we the team or rehabbing have, in Fort Myers. We don't have to listen to, Price is at practice throwing the ball. Not only is he throwing the ball, but he's standing there watching the win last night, and he looks like, you know, the little kid who got the candy taken away. Yeah, so you know. I, I... Whatever. But, yeah, anyway, so good win for the Red Sox. The Red Sox are back in first place. Pump the brakes. Don't get too excited, Red Sox fans, but you that, we can enjoy this. You can enjoy this win. 
Anyway, though, we'll move on from that to um, the actual thing that was supposed to top off the docket today. The trade deadline passed on Monday at 4? 4 o'clock, yeah. 4, 4 o'clock Eastern on, Time. 4 o'clock on Monday, and the Red Sox, obviously, as we mentioned, they they traded three minor league pitchers, two in single A, one in triple A, to the Mets to get Addison Reed, who's been eighth inning, ninth inning guy. He's had, what, a ERA of, what, 2.3? Yeah, he's got a 2.3 ERA, and he's got a 1.4 ERA since May. So we had a little bit of a rough start to the season, but since then he's been lights out. Yeah, and he's been, you know, he's been the, he's been their closer, correct? He's been their closer, and, you know, they haven't been winning games, but, but when they good. put him in, he's been good. Yeah, he's been solid. So they, the Red Sox were able to get a very solid reliever eighth-inning guy, a guy who can be their eighth-inning guy, a guy who can, as Farrell put it the other day, as you alluded to, refer to as closer B. So, yeah, like they, and that was what I said after they traded for Aguardo Nunez. I, last week I talked about it. I was worried that now they weren't. Going to go out and get a close. I was worried because this team is very clearly does not want to go over the luxury tax for whatever reason. And I was afraid. But they went out and they got a relief, which is why I said. So I credit them. I credit Dombrowski for going out and doing it. See, I credit Dombrowski, but I'm also a little bit worried about where this team is going because we know Dombrowski. We knew when he brought it, when they brought him in that he was going to deal prospects, and we knew that was the case. Yes. And I'm, I'm not saying that he made a bad deal because the number 18 prospect in our, in our, in the world farm is system. in our farm system, rather is uh is the best Not- pro- best prospect in the deal. Um and I think it's a good deal, but he's made mistakes before. I mean, everyone everyone knows who Tyler Thornburg is because we gave up our third baseman who's mm-hmm. going to who should be an all-star. Yeah, oh that um, I mean that that trade is terrible. Absolutely. Thornburg killer. has not pitched for the Red Sox yet. More and more at that trade. I mean, yeah, you wouldn't have the issues at third base you have right now. You would also would have had those prospects to get Someone else. Another could, a actual reliever who would be playing yeah, right now. You could move for somebody who's actually good. And you know what else worries me? He did the same thing last year with Carson Smith, who pitched 28 pitches uh, all year. Yep. And we gave up Wade Miley, a decent starter mm-hmm. with a four ERA, and prospects. And, yeah, and Dombrowski um, has been worrying. And we can, you know, we can kind of give a retrospective on Dombrowski later, but I, I want to focus on this trade deadline. Because, uh, you know, also I've kind of been softening a little bit on Dombrowski, I guess. I'll admit that. I've been. Maybe I've, maybe we've all been a little too harsh on him, but I'll get into that maybe another day. Probably now isn't the day for that. But I was able to get Reed, which I wanted. I said I, what I said last week, what I've been saying for a while is I wanted this team to get a reliever, and I wanted this team to not give up Devers or Groom. And you also, from what I understand, you know, because this is what I feel anyway, is you didn't want them to give up a big piece of their major league roster, and you wanted a power bat. You needed a power bat. Uh- I wanted, well, not really. No, no. My, my opinion was, because it was when they were swirl. I'm, I'm assuming we talk about my opinions, because I did not want this team to trade for a third baseman. Obviously, I was very, I was pretty adamant about that. I yeah, wanted, you're a Devers guy. Yeah, I, well, not even I'm a Devers guy. Well, I've been a fan of this, but I, I, I liked what the team had. I was fine with the team kind of rolling in with Marrero, Holt, Lynn, or bringing up Devers if they deemed him ready, which I wanted them to do. Because I think that Devers is could also provide them something of a power spark. And I don't want to count on a rookie, but I want I would rather they had brought Devers up than trade for a guy. Because also I didn't see a guy because I was fine with what they had defensively at third base. Obviously it was a little bit of hole offensively there with Barrero, but you accept that you're gonna have a hole on your roster. And there wasn't a guy out there who I think would have made a big enough difference as a power bat that it was worth giving up prospects for instead of bringing up Devers. So when they traded for Nunez. I was hesitant to like the trade. I liked what I read about. I mean, I liked that he had a 
300 304, 308 308 batting yeah. average i like that he wasn't a power hitter which i was like okay but once again i didn't think there was really a power hitter out there to get i didn't they didn't give anything up so i wasn't worried about it but i was afraid that he was going to be maybe i read that he was going to be a third baseman which was probably that's how i read it as well yeah, is that he was going to be a third baseman which and- worried me because you know a he's not a power hitter and b defensively he's been one of the what, lowest ranked positional players i think he i think he's you know 26 out of 30 um in in baseball in terms of defense at third base. And exactly. And, you know, Pablo Sandoval, we can get, we don't even have to go into that because we know he's he a black hole at third base. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. Falling on himself. Um, and he's just a, he's just an easy out in the lineup. He's, he's worse than the pitchers. Um, but anyway, so with Nune, so I was worried about that, that he was going to block Devers, but seeing what I'm seeing now, I'm starting to think, and they seem obviously they're more intent on using him as a versatile guy. They're using him as a kind of a swingman. As a, as another as another little Swiss Army knife fill-in guy, which, he's a Brock Holt, but yeah, with a exactly. bat, and Brock which, Holt plays defense, which I like because obviously I'm starting to think you know maybe Dombrowski saw what's happening with Pedroia coming. He's come out and said that the knee is chronic, which I don't, which I don't get that. I've never way. seen an injury with Pedroia that takes him on the on the DL uh, that's chronic. You know, well, he no, plays no, no. through everything. No, he's had he's had knee issues. I mean, like he's had knee issues, been a reoccurring thing. I don't really understand why Dombrowski would come out and say that the injury is chronic, which feels like a bizarre thing to do. See, I feel like that was him justifying making a deal for Nunez. Um, Maybe, but that was, I just, that was my that was my feeling. Um, I, just, I don't really understand what Dombrowski says. Um, I like him. I like the way he handles his team. I like that he gets in, you know, Price's face and says, "Don't do this." I like yeah, that he says, mm-hmm. you know, "Play the game this way." He's uh-huh. an old school guy. He's my uh-huh. kind of guy, and he always makes a deal when he needs to. You know, he pulls mm-hmm. the trigger. He's not hesitant like Ben Sherrington. Yep. Um, I'm in favor of him. I think he's, you know, adds yeah. a lot to the team. But, you know, there's this big hole um, in the middle of their lineup where there should be a third baseman. And yeah. well, I now they're filling that with Rafael Devers, and he's hitting 429. So yes, don't get me been, wrong. I was clearly wrong when I thought, oh, this kid needs more time. Yeah, he's given them um, the power that they've needed. As of now, now, he's going to cool off. He's going to cool off. Major I mean, League pitchers will figure out yeah, that once he faces you know, all these guys you know, a second time or guys stop just pitching right down the middle to him because that's another thing you're seeing is pitchers always Yeah, want- you see these these guys are like, oh, I can take this kid. He's, only, yeah. he's brand new. He doesn't know how to hit my fastball. Yeah. and. He does know how to hit a fastball. Yeah, you know, so he went 0 for 4 in Seattle, and then the next day he came out and hit a home run. Yeah, so I want to see, you know, how he does, you know, the second time he's facing a lot of these pitchers. So I'm not willing to say that he's the answer, but I didn't think there was a guy out there for them to go get who would provide the power. So Nunez seemed a little odd to me, but now I'm seeing, you know, I'm, it's pr- p- possible that, and probably what it is, Dombrowski has recognize that Pedroia's knee issue is chronic, like he said, and he wanted to get a guy who could fill in at different positions. Well, so, I like I like the move for that same reason, and also because, you know, Xander Bogarts, I, I hate to crush Xander Bogarts because oh, I love I him. I'm a Xander Bogarts guy. Um, I'm a disciple him. of Xander Bogarts, mm-hmm. but he's hitting 143 he been in the last month. Brutal. He's been absolutely really terrible since he, since he got hit on the hand. He's been absolutely terrible. Yeah, and really all year he's been disappointing. Disappointing, exactly. I expected Xander Bogarts to come up and have a Mookie Betts 2016 kind of season. Um, and then he got drilled on the hand, and it went from bad to worse. You know, he went from hitting, you mm-hmm. know, 300 with no power to now hitting 143 with for the no. month with no power. Yeah. And uh, that's and not acceptable from shortstop. No. Um, but you know, anyway, the Yankees so- have Didi Gregorius. Um, there's 
power bats at shortstop all across the league, and we have nothing. Yeah, and the, and the power was the number one thing you wanted to get out of Bogarts. Exactly. You, you saw it, flashes of it last year, and you were hoping that he could do it this year, but he hasn't. And that's a big problem because, really, the Red Sox don't have any power. Like, they, it's like they, they didn't see. It's like after all that final season goodbye stuff for Ortiz, they didn't see him leave. They had. They just. They just didn't see his, his leaving coming, even though they talked about it continually they for knew the it entire was the entire season last season. You know, we had David Ortiz Appreciation yeah. Day. And, and listen, in the Red Sox, they have they have a power problem, not just on the major league roster. Oh yes, Th- yeah, it goes throughout the entire roster. system. They besides Devers, who's coming up, they don't have. Any real power hitters anywhere in the system, which is a... That's a big problem. Big they, problem to want, you know, a big future problem, which is something that the team really needs to figure out soon if they want to be successful in the future. But anyway, we'll, we'll go back to the now. I'll get, I'm getting into too much big picture stuff. But anyway, so Nunez I've liked. I've liked that they brought in a guy who can fill in at second base. Obviously, to look at that. And I like I like the trade if Nunez is a guy where they move around because he's played every position seemingly. He's played three positions so far for the Red Sox alone. Yeah. Um, and he can play left field too. And exactly. Benatendi is hitting 243 over the last 68 games. Exactly. So clearly, maybe Andrew Benatendi's in a sophomore slump, uh, or maybe he just hasn't really figured it out behind the plate this season, um, and he'll bounce back next season. Yeah. Hopefully. You know, he figures it out. Maybe he needs some off time. Who knows? Yeah. But in a jam, Nunez is Brock Holt with a bat. Yeah, which I like. Which I like that a lot more. And I also like it more that they've also brought in a reliever. So now I'm not wondering if this move was made and they're just not going to do anything else. I was surprised that they got Reed for the little amount that they did. I, I mean, too. maybe the Mets saw something in these prospects that Dombrowski doesn't see. But even the MLB pipeline has them, you know. Number thirty, number eighteen, yeah. number forty-seven. Yeah, you know, they're not they're not dubbed as the next Raphael Devers no. or the next Mike Trout. Um, so who knows? And uh, the Red Sox have made some draft picks over the last couple of years that haven't panned out. Uh, ben Sherrington overall did a great job with drafting and not yeah. such a great job with team building. Um, you know, Trey Ball is mm-hmm. one that I think of. You know, their number one pick in the draft, and I think he was number seventeen overall, if I'm correct. Uh, that was a couple of years ago. He's still in single A. The kid mm-hmm. can't hit, um, and that's a problem. You know, our drafting has been an issue, and that causes some problems for Dombrowski because Dombrowski's this guy who likes to deal prospects, and he doesn't and, have, and he's really gutted the farm system. And, and now, now the farm system is gutted, and you're looking at the Yankees, who are, you know, where I thought this team was going to be. Yeah, sure, I'd w- love this team to compete, but the Yankees are now built for the future with players like Aaron Judge, and they're only a half game back for the division. Yes, and that's what now that brings us the next thing I want to get to is now. On the flip side, the Yankees have done a lot at the deadline. The Yankees, obviously, a couple weeks ago, they brought in Todd Frazier, David Robertson, guys who the Red Sox were supposedly linked to, which was a deal I would have been eh with, but it was a deal that was out there to be made. They brought in Yami Garcia, who's has like what, like a four point a four ERA right now. It was a sub four. He's a he's a good he's a good he's a good starter as far as as far a uh, good player rather as far as they need it. Yeah, um, and they, they need help in in in, in the, the rotation star, in and the start, in the bullpen. Not in the um, bullpen. No, the bullpen for the Yankees has been very good. Now that they have David Robertson, they're that much better. They have um, a, the Yankees have a solid bullpen, and then probably the biggest move, not probably the biggest move of all, Sonny is, Gray, is they were able to bring in Sonny Gray. Which the big issue for the Yankees, well, the two big issues really for the Yankees all year have been first base. Which bringing in Todd Frazier has certainly helped because they're able to move Brett Gardner to first. They're able to move some guys around, so they have more pieces and not have a garbage first base defensively, which has really helped them. And B, their other problems have been their starting lineup. 
because their bullpen is very solid. But outside starting of starting rotation, rather, yeah, right. their starting rotation. Sorry, their starting rotation has been not good. Tanaka has never lived up to the contract. Tanaka's contract is the Daisuke Matsuzaka contract without that one good year of Daisuke. Exactly, um, and Sabathia, it's a little bit shocking. Sabathia has floated He's, on up, but even Tanaka had a great game a couple. You know, he's got the talent. He's just not there. Uh, no. He's not all there, and uh, that's unfortunate because watching watching him pitch is is always been a kind of a you know flip the coin and see what happens. Exactly. Um, but, so they've had issues in the starting rotation, but they've been able to bring in to a a a legit number two starter in Sonny Gray because Sonny Gray is probably a number two or number three. So that on depends a- on how you look at it. If you look at a playoff contender who's going to be you know. The L.A. Dodgers, uh, he's their number three guy. Um, yeah. Or n- even number four guy, depending on you know how the, the rotation is going at that time. Um, but if you put him on a team like the Yankees, he might even be their number one guy. Depends uh, on how you look at it. Mm. Uh, because he had, you know, he's had one bad season um, in the last five. Last season. Last season. And then uh, this season, he seems to be okay. Yeah. But he has the potential to turn it on and go okay. on a run. Okay, so you're a big Sonny Gray guy. I'm a big Sonny Gray guy okay, so because that, that that makes everything because that, I'm a I'm a I'm a big deal uh, for the big game pitcher. And Sonny Gray hasn't pitched any big games, you know, in Oakland. But that's but the kid fault. has talent. Yeah. And okay, he seems to want to pitch. You know, he goes out there every fifth day. Yep. Um, and he's a competitor. You know, yep. you see you see it in the way he plays, and I'm sure he's happy to be in a division race. Yeah. No. So uh, that no doubt. Addison Reed said he was happy, but I'm sure Sonny mm-hmm. Gray is ecstatic. Yep. He went okay. from a black hole over there with Billy Bean in Oakland, and he's turning it on. Okay. I'm sure he'll be ready to compete when it's his turn in the rotation. And he's locked up until 2021. Yeah, no, um, no exactly. It's a good future move for the Yankees. It's too. a good future move. That and you know what? Big. Brian Cashman has been hitting on almost every single yeah. deal he's made in the last mm-hmm. two years. Um, since you know the Steinbrenner family decided to let him go a little bit um, and let him kind of do his thing and sell last season— He's been on fire. Absolutely. He dealt Andrew Miller and uh, rolled his Chapman last year, and everybody goes, oh, no, those are the two best bullpen arms in the game. And then got Chapman back. And got a huge return for them in prospects. Mm-hmm. Got Chapman back in the offseason, and then used all those prospects to deal for Sonny Gray, and he's still stacked in, in the farm system. Yep. No, the Yankees have been mad, and that's what I want to get into is, and we can, I don't know, maybe we can save the future conversation for another day, but looking at everything now, I feel like the Yankees are a better team than the Red Sox at this point. Also, not even considering all the internal stuff that's been going on, but I just feel like the Yankees now are a much more complete team, and at the places where the Red Sox are struggling, the Yankees are very strong. They they have that middle-of-the-lineup power, for one thing, out of Judge. Also with other guys, they have Gardner, they have Gregorius. They have legit power hitting on that team. They fixed their starting rotation in a big way. Oh, they made the best move that you could possibly make at the deadline. Exactly. And, you know, say what you want about you, Darvish, but um, Sonny Gray, I thought, was the best pitcher in this in this deadline. Sure. Uh, to be dealt, and sure, and they've gotten, and their bullpen is legit. The, their the, bullpen is the best bullpen uh, in the American League East, uh, without a doubt, and maybe have, even the American League in total. They have guys you feel like you can, and you know the Red Sox bullpen. Statistically, I believe what are they have the lowest ERA in the AL? Yeah, statistically they're the best, but, but you, you see the wear and tear. But I, well, yeah, a how much of that is Kimbrel, and b the numbers might be good, but who do you trust? See, the Yankees have see that's, two or, two that's or, my issue as well. The Yankees have three guys who you can throw into any situation, 
and trust. See, I agree because the Red Sox have Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, that's it. That's and now, case in point. They have Reed. Craig Kimbrell and maybe Addison Reed. You know, we'll see where that goes. Hasn't I hope good so. So far, so far it's day, been you know day later, a little bit terrible. Not, <laughs> but you know, Dombrowski was sitting up there watching his moves, and I'm sure he's ready to watch you know Addison Reed work. So far this season, you trust Matt Barnes at home. But you don't trust him on the road. Yep. And everyone else seems to be a little bit of a specialist. You know, maybe he can get out lefties and not righties. You have maybe he pe- can get righties and not lefties. You have a you have pieces of a bunch of different exactly. Of one. And you know what? They've been putting it together so far, but I'm skeptical that that holds up. Yeah, Whereas also, the Yankees, how, how long do you trust Farrell to make the right call to manage that well? See, the the book on John Farrell, like you said last week, is that he's never been a great in game manager. You know, he's the guy who and we all, who manages the clubhouse. And, and you know what? And how's that going? Exactly. The clubhouse seems to be a mess from the outside. Looking in, that seems to be how it works. And, you know, Mookie Betts said some stuff today yeah. um, that makes it seem kind of like that's the case. Yeah, we can, we can get into those quotes later, but we just want to focus. And, uh, but you look at the deals that, that, that were made, the Red Sox improved. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I think the Yankees are just a stronger team. You know, uh, A through B, 1 through 9. The Yankees can trot, can trot out the best bullpen mm-hmm. uh, in the American League East. I think they have the best lineup in the American League East. Sure, yep. Um, because Aaron Judge in the middle of that lineup is a is a beast. They've been hitting like crazy. He's an absolute monster, and it doesn't seem like anything's going to slow him down. Um, you also have you know other bats like D.D. Gregorius and Brett Gardner, yep. and to an extent, Jacoby Ellsbury, who knows what's going on. Yep. Uh, you, they don't have any young players who don't seem to be you know uh, producing. Everyone seems to be producing. Um, they're having a Xander Bogarts 2013 emergence from Aaron Judge. Yep. Um, and everyone on the team is performing. And you know what? Last season we saw in the postseason, you really only need to get your starter to the sixth inning. Yeah. You watch these teams, they piece together from the sixth inning on from their bullpen. Specialist with righties, specialist yep. with lefties, power power pitcher. The Yankees have that. Yeah, the Yankees do. can do that, and the Red Sox, I don't think, can. So this up... In this upcoming series with the Yankees in a couple of weeks. By the way, the Red Sox do not play the Yankees at all in September. Which is huge. Which is bizarre. Not only is it bizarre because... That doesn't make any sense. Major League Baseball schedules it every year, so they play something like 18 times, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, But To not have one in September is going to mean that this race is going to be a little bit bit tighter. It's weird. It's bizarre. It just makes no sense. From From a fan perspective. Anyway, though. So this upcoming series against the Yankees, I think, is going to be... Huge. So for the I, wrote, I wrote a piece um, on Real Sport 101 about uh, the Red Sox and Yankees rivalry and how this reemergence seems to be occurring this year because the Yankees are good. And that's, it's, that's, that's important. It's been a while since both teams were good at the same time. Um, you have to go back to 2004 for them to have played in the, play, in the playoffs against one another, you know, um, in the best postseason series that will ever be or ever has been. Uh, say what you want about the 2017 or 2016 Cubs, rather. Sure. But you look at this team. Uh, the Red Sox are a decent a decent team. I don't think that they're going to win the World Series. Um, you know, I've had some backlash for that on my in my writing. I think the Yankees are a better team, but it all comes down to how they play head to head. And like you said, they don't play in September. Yeah. So this is a huge upcoming road trip against both the Rays and the Yankees. Absolutely, yes. Um, because you can't sleep on the Rays. Yeah, and the Rays not, we talked about this off the air, but the it, the Rays not adding anything at the deadline surprises me, which I don't think might not be might not be a surprise to a lot of people because they're 55 and 53. They're nearly at 500. They're four games back. So like, they haven't been a great team. They've 
They haven't really been By no good. means are they a great team. No, they haven't really been a good team. But then but, again, the American League doesn't seem to be full of great teams. No. And There's the, the Astros and then everyone else. Yeah, and here's been the thing about the Rays that surprised me. Once again, you know, they haven't been good, but they've also they've been very consistently average for the whole year. Yeah, they, you don't see any big slumps no, and then some never, power. They've been consistent. The image of consistency. At, keeping 500 and not having slumps. Yeah, one, yeah. one through nine, the entire pitching staff and rotation – They've been terrific in terms of consistency. Not you know, having, you might not see a Chris Sale type start no. from any of their players. You know, Chris Archer is terrific, but he's not he's not that level. But they're all going to post a decent ERA. Exactly, and they and have they're it. all going to hit a decent amount. So that just that that's, that stinks of a team that if you can inject like some sizzle to that lineup, just something in there, just some high level talent, just something in that lineup just to, to push like, it to the next level. Yeah, and you know that that would be a team that could be string to contend for something in so, this division. I think. It's, yeah. it's still wide open, you know, yeah. and at the beginning of the year, everyone looked at it, and, you know, Brian Cashman said it at the winter meetings. He said, you know, Dave Dombrowski, with the acquisition of Chris Sale, is turning into the Golden State Warriors of baseball. Ugh, I hate that whole thing. But yeah. I hate that entire thing, but, and Dombrowski hit back with this week with the Sonny Gray thing, you know, they're the Golden State Warriors. Which it's a, kind of, to me, almost kind of feels like management oh, I, of exactly. both these teams, or ownership of both these teams is telling them to say this, because I feel like both these teams really desperately want to rekindle this rivalry. The rivalry because it's good for business and you know yeah. it's good for baseball. Like, hey, it's good go for out, the fan base. Go it's good for everybody. Go out and say these these lame these lame warriors things. That'll get people pumped. Yeah, throw throw some tweets out there. Throw yeah, in yeah, a little bit of shade. Win, dance, repeat. Yeah. things like that. So anyway, anyway, yeah. So yeah. So the Rays are a team that didn't make any moves, which confuses me. So it doesn't take them out. They're still a decent team, but you know I'm not as worried about the Rays as I am about, which is a stupid thing to say. Yeah, I'm not worried about the Rays. Anyway, so the Rays, just a little Rays thought that I think we both had is it's weird that see not see the Rays do anything. But yeah, so the Yankees have made big improvements. And once again, the Red Sox made the improvements I wanted to see them make. So for the deadline, you know, I give them a solid B+. Like I gave, you know, I gave the Celtics a B plus for the offseason because they did everything I said a month ago I want them to do. And they did that. And the Red Sox, I was saying, you know, I want them to add a reliever, and if they get a bat, whatever. I don't think there's a bat out there, but if they get a bat and they don't move Devers and they don't move Groom, I'm happy. I'm not ecstatic, so I won't give them an A, but I'm happy because they did what I wanted. See, you and I hit the same the same points there. I didn't think that there was a power bat out there that they could, you know, acquire without giving up the farm. And the farm system is weak as is, so yeah. I didn't want that to happen. Um, what they did acquire was... You know, a versatility piece who's yep. currently 11 for 22. Yeah. Um, and is, you know, on fire He's after coming from the good. Giants. Um, and they acquired a reliever who was one of the best on the market, and they didn't give up that much for them. So I give Dombrowski a B uh, yeah. for the trade deadline simply because I think the only thing they could have done better would, you know, be to acquire David Robertson from the White Sox. I, um, but they seemed like they were very keen on pairing him. But they wanted to pair him with Todd Frazier, Frazier's. and I didn't like the Todd Frazier move yeah. because now, I'm one, a Raphael Devers guy. One thing that does detract from the deadline for me is this was a thought that I heard. I don't really remember where, but a thought that I heard and something that kind of makes sense to me is I is that it's – and this isn't so much a Dombrowski thing as an organizational thing, but there's a theory kind of floating around out there that – now, if the Red Sox had made this deal a month ago, they would have had to pay half of Reed's salary. And that itself would have put the team over the luxury tax. But since they made the move right before the deadline, 
they can stay under the luxury they, tax. Because they only have to pay a third of his salary. And that keeps the team under the luxury tax. And I don't know, maybe I'm being some kind of conspiracy nut, but I I can't not believe, I can't completely throw that out. Because this team has been very keen on staying under the luxury tax. I don't understand that. Uh, that's clearly coming down from ownership. Yeah, and, and, that's, and clearly that's got something to do yeah. with the dead money that they're paying players like Ruzne Castillo and Pablo Sandoval yeah, and to not, play in the minor is, leagues. And this is not a Dombrowski thing, because I thought, oh, maybe I'll go from a B-plus to a B because this. But this this isn't a Dombrowski thing. Oh, no, thing. this is a Ben Sherrington yeah, issue they, that's lingering, and well, you know, ownership and ownership is trying to uh, you know minimize the damage. Yeah, this is, um, a, this is an ownership thing, telling him, you know, you can't go over the luxury tax. Because every GM would go over the luxury tax if they could. But this is that's an ownership thing but that's really upsetting coming from ownership if they told him you know you have to wait to make this deal because of the luxury tax i also think also sucks coming off of the first month of the season where this team was below 500 and you know what when they were below 500 all the conversation was you're using craig kimbrell too much exactly and we all knew that they needed this piece they could have gone out and done this in june i think they would be running away with the division right now and the yankees would be playing catch up four or five games back like they were at the break i'm sure i can look at the scores right now and find five or six games we're having another legit probably more than that but you know we're having one more legit arm would win us a game one of those games exactly so that's a problem if that comes down from owner, that's upsetting because people have been trying to paint this picture that, oh, well, if you go over the luxury tax, like you lose draft picks or you lose international signing money. Not but, at all. Nope. If you go over the luxury tax three years in a row, which this team would be doing if they went over now, you'd have to pay 50% of the salary that put you over the luxury tax. And that's that would equate to maybe $5 million. Yeah, which, Maybe $5 million. And which, it doesn't go to another team. It's not like it goes to another team. It goes to you know the players' union yeah, and bonuses and things like that, no which is money. not a huge issue. Which isn't zero money. That's $5 no. million, obviously. But for the Red Sox. It is the who, Boston Red Sox. We're in the Boston them? market. They're the second biggest team in payroll in in the league behind the Dodgers. And what are they, the fourth most valuable franchise in sports? Yeah, well, in, in, in you know U.S.-based sports, not counting soccer, uh, they're up there in the top ten. Uh, right. They're behind, you know, a whole bunch of football teams, and then the Yankees, and that's about it. Right. Um, so this is so this team has the money, and also even then, if this was a year where this team was sucking, or wasn't great, fine. But this team has really they this has an organization. They have really gone for better or for worse, all in on this year. I they, agree. You they know, they hand, traded a whole bunch of pieces for Chris Sale, and you gave, only have a three year window. Yeah, and you're going back to they gave the deal the price. That once again they gutted the farm system. They went out and tried. I mean, they went out and made other trades that. Haven't worked out, but they made these trades. They've brought guys up. This team has seemingly gone all in, and it's just bizarre to think that maybe they're like, okay, we're going to go all in. But not that $1 million extra, $2 million extra. extra couple million. No, 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 no. Let's... Let's hold off yeah, a month. Yeah, slow on, down, people. Let's hold up a month on making the trade. Like, And I'm not saying that's true. I don't have actual proof of that, but if you look at the numbers and you look at everything, it's Hard to deny outright, which once again, not a Dombrowski thing. Doesn't affect the way I view Dombrowski. This is an ownership issue, which I have a bad view of ownership already. And yeah, you know, no. let me let let me just elaborate on that a little bit. This team needs another broadcaster because Dennis oh, Eckersley oh, is on, is hang fantastic. On, hang on, hang on, we. We can get into that in a little bit. Okay. That's, that's right. the next. We'll, I have I have a bone to pick with ownership over that. Yeah, we have um, a whole we have a whole slew of things. I don't even know where we're gonna start with that, but we will move into that actually after the after these breaks. You are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley. It is about four fifty right now. We're gonna take 
a quick break, and then we're going to hop right back in. We're going to be talking more about the ever-developing Baby Price situation, the Justin Pedroia situation. Then after that, we'll try to move into some Patriot stuff. Anyway, though, you're listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley, here with Joe Godred of RealSports101.com. Anyway, you, this is on 90.7 WXIN. If you want to join in on the conversation, don't be afraid to tweet at me, at Jake R-E-L-M-S-L-I-E, and talk about anything you really want to talk about about Boston sports. Anyway, though, we will be right back, and we will talk more sports after that. Plant a tree for your tomorrow. Do you know which tree Andy Jackson rested under on his way to the Battle of New Orleans? Which tree Abraham Lincoln used to cross a river? And what tree William Penn used as a landmark for his map? Taste the breeze, it's life inside you. Make a promise to the earth. There's an easy way to find out. Go to the National Arbor Day Foundation's website, arborday.org, for whatever you need to know about trees. At arborday.org, you'll find out what trees are right for planting where you live and that the oak is the people's choice for America's national tree. It was a Sunnybrook oak which Andy Jackson rested under on his way to the Battle of New Orleans. You'll have to go to arborday.org for the other answers. Plant a tree today for all the world to share. That's arborday.org. Okay, fellas, thanks for checking out our membership meeting for the unstoppable IOTA Gamma Kappa fraternity. Candidates will be notified around mid-semester. Peace, peace. Have a good day. Yo, can you believe that white boy showed up? Who, Justin? Yeah. I mean, he seems pretty cool. He's doing a lot of work in the community. He gets decent grades. Oh, yeah, I played ball with him the other day. Old boy got a mean crossover. Now, see, that's what I'm talking about. White people think that just because they can rap or hoop or something, they could be one of us. Now, what would happen if one of us went across campus and tried to join one of their fraternities? <laughs> Tell you what, it'll be a cold day and you know where before I let a white boy into this frat. You feel me? Nah, Trey. I don't feel you. The first step in fighting racial prejudice is taking a stand. Imagine the power of one voice. Find your voice at freedomcenter.org. A message from the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center and the Ad Council. For the best local pizza, look no further than Big Tony's Pizzeria at 525 Eaton Street, Providence, featuring daily specials and free delivery until 4 a.m. Get a whole pie or just a slice at the home of the gangster rap. So call in at 401-490-0000 for a slice of the local favorite, Big Tony's. Often imitated, never duplicated. Up to date on current events, just want to hear yourself speak? Then join WXIN's News Talk Sports Department and you can talk local news, road events, sports, whatever you want. Attend meetings at Horace Mann 186 on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. or stop by the station anytime to get your slot today. It's not the 
size that matters. It's the pleasure it provides. WXIN FM. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXI, and I am still here with Job. We talked a lot of Red Sox. we got a little bit more to dive into about the Red Sox, then we'll move on to some Patriots training camp stuff. But if you want to join in on the conversation, don't be afraid to tweet at me, at Jake R-E-L-M-S-L-I-E. Our phone lines are down, so tweet at me, at Jake R-E-L-M-S-L-I-E. Also, if you've been enjoying the show, but you missed the beginning of it, or you got to go and you want to listen to the rest of it later, don't be afraid to check out the official Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley SoundCloud, or look up the show on iTunes, the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley. Anyway, with all that, we're going to get right back into more Red Sox stuff. And yeah, this uh, this David Price situation with Dennis Eckersley is really, really not going away. And as usual, I'm going to be the last one to read you some stuff, but I still feel the need to give my two cents on this on, I believe it was Saturday after the Kansas City Royals, after the Red Sox played the Kansas City Royals, I believe, in the game where uh, Price did not play because he's on the DL right now. Uh, they asked Price more about the whole Dennis Eckersley thing and stopping him in the middle of the play to bombard him because he had the nerve to comment on a bad Aguardo Rodriguez start and had the nerve to tell Price that he takes too long to pitch. Yuck. Price was said... If Eck was around, he'd know who we are. He's never in the clubhouse. He's the one guy I've seen in my career that never showed his face in the clubhouse. And he keeps going. Apparently, Price was upset. Eckersley didn't make himself available to players after what they felt like were harsh comments. If you're going to say what he said, come around. Show your face. If guys have a problem with it, pull him aside. That ain't how it's done. This ain't the first time it happened here regarding Eck. It's unfortunate. Every team we play here, whenever they hear our broadcast, everyone here is always getting text messages saying, he has to never be around. He said, people know what's going on. It's nowhere near where it was in spring training. I feel like it will be 10, more than 10 days. Oh, never mind. It's about his injury. Sorry. So basically, uh, Price is a giant baby. And is really ups and is really really mad that Eckersley doesn't show his show his face in the clubhouse after he says mean things. Which to that I say, why does he need to? He doesn't need to make himself available to you. He doesn't need to face your criticism. And listen, if you want to talk to David Price, which I've said that the players have every right to get pissed at the media, they have every right to yell at media. And members. you know what? I actually I enjoy that because you know yeah. what? Not only does it give us something to talk about on shows like this, yeah. But when that happens, you know that the players care. Yeah, you have a player has a right, and I don't. I will not hate on a player for wanting to find a guy, find a reporter, find an analyst, and yell at him. Like if Danny Ainge wanted to find me and scream at me for being a complete dick to him, then yeah, I'd accept it. Like. I'd probably be mad, but I'd be like, oh, okay, I deserve it. Like, I dish it out. You can take it. But that's a far cry from ambushing a guy in a plane, stopping him, dressing him down in front of everybody when you know he can't say anything back to you because all of his bosses are there, and then acting like you're protecting your teammates when really you're just pissed that he was being mean to you on the broadcast that night. And mean is a relative term. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't mean. He's call it, He calls it as he sees it. Yeah, you know, I think exactly. fans appreciate and that. And that's what makes Eckersley... The one good Nesson broadcaster. Yeah, the and one we, good Nesson broadcaster yeah, we, left. Once again, we can get into that, but... And oh my god, and listen, so like I said, if you want to, 
If a player wants to yell at a reporter or yell at somebody, it's fine. If they want to do it in private, do it face-to-face, -face, that's fine. I accept that. I'm not going to hate on a guy for it. But my god, don't give me this, oh, well, he's never in the clubhouse, so he can't tell us. Because A, if he knows you just want to yell at him, why is he going to go to the clubhouse where you can just ambush him and be, you know, 20 on 1 against him, telling him off? Because that doesn't make you strong, David Price, if you're telling him off in front of your friends. And you know what else? If David Price really wanted to talk to Dennis Eckersley, it wouldn't be hard. It wouldn't be hard to get in touch with him. You get the PR guy, you have him come in, you tell me you want to talk to Eckersley, he gets Eckersley, and you talk to Eckersley. And, and you know what? You don't do it you don't do it three weeks after the incident or oh, a month after the yeah. incident. Oh yeah, that you too. do it you do it the day after, you know, when you're told yeah. by, you and know, someone me. on the team, hey, listen, this I'll, is wrong. Trust me, and I'll tell and i we can talk about this exact incident, but just in general, it's not the fact that he's not in the clubhouse, David Price. It's the fact that he's criticizing you. For one thing. Because if Eckersley said nothing about but nice things about David Price. He wouldn't care he's not in the clubhouse. He just wants to be able to ambush him in front of his friends. He doesn't even want to go talk to him one-on-one. -on -one. Because once again, if he wanted to talk to him one-on-one, -on -one, it would not be hard. You both work in the same building. You can find the guy. Anyway, and so clearly David Price has no interest in apologizing to Eckersley, which whatever. And apparently Eckersley is also saying whatever because in a column by Dan Shaughnessy the other day, Shaughnessy writes, uh, Dennis Eckersley has no interest in meeting with David Price, and he has no intention of changing his broadcasting style. Thank God. I'm cool with everything, Eckersley told the Globe, Tuesday nights, before Tuesday night's game. I've moved on. I'm just going to keep doing what I do, which is call it like I see it. It's all about the Red Sox and the ultimate goal of winning. And, you know, obviously Eckersley, and Eckersley has no interest in getting an apology from David Price, which, for one thing... Which some people are like, oh, well, it's kind of on you then if you don't take the apology. Well, see, I, I disagree because yeah, I, I would love to get an apology for, from David Price, but at this point, he's doubled down. I know yeah. that if he's apologizing, it's because he was told John to Henry or Dave Dombrowski yeah. or John Farrell, God forbid, are telling him what to do. Yeah, somebody's forced him to apologize. And that and, means nothing. And also, even then, it doesn't even mean anything that the team made him apologize because how much can that mean because the team only made him do it a month after the incident because it became a public thing exactly Nobody now the story making, the no, story is huge in boston and, and it picked up some media traction on you know espn yeah, first take things like that exactly and they're only doing at this point the team's only making him apologize because it's making the team look bad they weren't making him apologize when nobody really knew the details of this no, they're only making him apologize to save face at this point. So why should Eckersley want that apology? I have no idea. Yeah, you know, he, I wouldn't. He wouldn't because um, it will be completely fake at this point. Even the fact that they're making him apologize is just fake. So really, I have no qualms with this. And Price just continues to double down and just be a baby after he's put on the 10-day DL. I mean, we all know that he's not built for this market. I no. mean, you said it and last he, week in your broadcast. You know, he, he only came here because the Red Sox kept throwing and throwing and throwing money at him. And at that point, it was just stupid for him to, to, to say no. But he comes from markets like Toronto, Tampa Bay. Do they ever get on their starters in Tampa Bay? No, who cares? Yeah, no one, no one cares what you do in Tampa Bay. You know, they have, they're lucky if they fill half their seats. They really don't care on the broadcast. You know, everybody's great friends down there, I'm sure. You know, to, uh, Toronto's the same thing. Their broadcast is very, very friendly to the home team. And Detroit, surprisingly, I would have thought Detroit would be a little bit of a tougher market uh, they because they have people. some success, but clearly they don't care. Yeah, and it's just, we all know he's not built for the market, but it, 
And so he's on a 10-day DL. Yeah. Happens before the first game home. And then throws 25 pitches two days later. Yeah. So he's put on the 10-day DL before. And I was so excited to watch Price in that game. I was. I hoped he was going to get shelled. I wanted to see the fans boo him. I wanted it so. I almost went up and scalped, scalped tickets. Oh, I was. I, I, I wanted took, to go. I too. had taken the day off work um, yeah. because I wanted to watch this yeah. game, and I was thinking, you know, if I take the day off work, then maybe I'll get to drive up and scalp some tickets and watch David Price get booed. Didn't turn out that way because he went on the ten day DL. Yeah, and it's like I don't want to go um, watch. And I have no interest in you know paying way above average money to uh, watch uh, some scalper to watch Porcello lose. Yeah, and I um, and I, I've talked about this with the general manager of the station, Josh Percy, on his show, and I've pleaded with him that as a station we need to we need to start a policy where me and him and whoever else we can get we use station money to buy tickets to every David Price start just to see if we can break him mentally. Which has been something I've been very interested in, but we're not willing to fund that, which I guess is fair. It wouldn't be good for the team, but I would love it. But anyway, so Price didn't play, and my God, how bad of a look! If he's legitimately hurt, he's legitimately hurt. He's not. Yeah, no, but, no, no doubt about it. But if he's if legitimately he, hurt, I don't want him going out there and giving up ten runs. Yeah, but it's how bad. Even if he is, how this is such a bad look for him, for the team, because. What does it say? And you, you, you've been saying this, and some other people have been saying that is this theory going around. You think that the team maybe that this is some sort of team suspension, right? Yeah, I have a theory that this is the team's way of punishing David Price uh, for his comments without coming out and downright saying you know he was wrong because the the PR spin that the ownership is so obsessed with at this point um, is getting is getting a little intense. Um, but he came out through 25 pitches the other day in practice, mm-hmm. and he was asked by uh, one of the beat reporters, I think it was Jason Mastrodonna from WEI, yep. uh, what's the pain on a scale of 1 to 10? You know, Where does it hurt? How bad is it? And he said, oh, it's a 1, it's a one out of 10. I could have pitched the other night. Um, and you know, maybe he just you know, doesn't understand how the media works. But to me, oh, that's Price either understands that, the media. He spends all his time checking on the media. See, that's, that, that to me either says one of two things. One, it says that, Either the Red Sox were punish were were punishing him, and you know he is not happy with it, and he wants to pitch. Which I I would really hope that he wants to pitch, and that he wants to come out and be a competitor. Uh, you think the opposite, ha! am I right? You yeah, you think listen, that this I is just, him hiding from the yes, Boston fans? I think that is him, and I think that is the team hiding him from the fans because it just works out too perfectly. Because what ten day homestand? He's starting on the first night. Put him on the ten day DL. He can't play because I I don't buy in to the team punishing him him theory because if the team was punishing him they'd want the fans to know because the point of punishing him a month after the incident is to appease the fans is to appease those who like Eckersley and those who think this is such a dumb situation who think that price is a baby so if they were going to punish him they would let the fans know they would make that apparent to the fan they wouldn't leave it to us to theorize about see i think that that's that's possible but there's also the fact that they're looking at this angle and this is a totally new angle i'm thinking of right here as i sit here the angle that he can't pitch under pressure he can't pitch in the postseason no, and that's we my, all know that and, and they know that maybe if he has a hostile crowd of home fans he gets shelled he gets shelled and we lose the game and we lose him mentally for the we rest lose him mentally for and the rest of the year and that's what i think that they're trying to do they're trying to protect his Fragile, fragile psyche. Which I am so against, by the way. You which, see yeah, the greats. Which, you see the greats. The great players don't care what game it well, is. Well, that's the point. And David, he's not a great player. I don't hate on. I can't hate on the team for trying to protect him, though, because you need to. 
If they think he's going to break mentally and be gone, they need to do what they can to not. You need to get everything they can out of this guy. The, be- the best thing for both parties is that he pitches cra- he pitches crazy good for the next year and a half. And opts out. Opts out and goes somewhere else to some other market With- where they don't talk and there's no media coverage and there's only one guy waiting at your locker at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and he can go back to being the David Price of the Rays. And you know what? Good for him. I yeah. hope that's the case. But oh, the Red I Sox. I hope, I hope he opts out, goes somewhere else. Sucks and just keeps getting bombarded. I want this guy to get broken mentally. See, at this see point. you want him to be broken mentally. I, I want him. Guy. I want this guy to be the Nomar Garcia Parra of yeah, this listen, team. Listen, if he can help the team in the next year and a half, fine. But I want him gone. See, oh. Nomar wanted out so badly in 2004 that we had to find a deal for him at the deadline. But he was producing, and he was the you know a big reason of the why of the why we were able to buy at the deadline. Mm, I um, just. But David I don't see that such, at all. David, I want, and, and even then, I was almost I was humoring the idea that losing David Price, that trading him somehow would almost be addition by subtraction, just because he has he has been so he's been cancerous for this team. See, I thought that too, and I was I was a big fan of getting rid of David Price right up until the moment when he came back from the DL in May and started pitching like crazy. Yeah, listen, he's been playing well, but just from a and From I, a clubhouse and, standpoint, yeah, he's toxic. That, he, yeah, is listen, toxic he is toxic for the Boston Red yeah, Sox. Listen, he is toxic for the young core players we have here. And, you know, Mookie Betts has some comments on it. Yeah, I know we'll is, get to that later. And but. this has been bad. And I kind of want to segue into all that now because there is such a void, or there was a void of leadership in this locker room. And it seems more and more that David Price is the one who stepped up. But Pedroia who was, you know, reportedly one of the guys clapping when Price was dressing down Eck. Seemingly, David uh, Pedroia came out last week and basically just went out and said, like, nope, I'm the leader. Yeah, you want a leader? You, I'm right here. You've been that looking for him. Comment. He's right in front of you. I'm the leader. I've been here the longest. Oh, my God, does anybody buy that? Oh no! Do you no, buy that? in no do way, I- shape, or form do I buy that. And I know Pedroia has his issues with David, uh, with Dennis Eckersley. Rather, I know he does. He's mentioned it in the past that him and Eck are not friends. Yeah, uh, him and Eck are not Price, fans of one another. Yeah, apparently, Pedroia is a baby too. But which is you know the what? most disappointing thing to come that's, out that's of. That's very disappointing, you know, because he's the face of this franchise now without David Ortiz. You know, li- like it or not, uh, and Mookie Betts or not, you would imagine that he would have been the next guy. I mean. They signed him to a seven-year deal, and you look at it and you go, okay, this guy's going to be with the Red Sox for probably the rest of his career, and he's going to produce. And you know what? Yeah. He gives you 110% he does. He does on produce. the field. He's been their most consistent player On the field, he gives you 110%, but you know what? I'd rather he give you 95% on the field and give you 120% in the locker room if that's what it takes to build this young core of players. they need that. They need that leadership, and since Ortiz has left, it's not been Pedroia. And now, you know, a lot of the guys— It's been who, no one. And a lot of the guys who have been covered—no, it's been David Price— which is yeah, which fair is enough. Bad. That's even worse. That's it's yes. Because the way that he treats the game, at least while he's in Boston, is a bad look. Seemingly, David Price has been the leader. They're all getting behind him. They're like, yeah, like, yeah, dress. Yeah, down. you got to applaud him on the plane. You know, ambush that guy. Seemingly, ambush that guy. And you know, a lot of guys who have covered the team for a long time are cu- cu- kind of coming out. They're saying that really, Pr- Price Pedroia has always kind of been a little bit of a follower. He's never really been a leader and. Maybe that's who he is, and that would be fine with me. But I just—it's a—it's disappointing to kind of see that maybe this is this is the real Pedroia. He's not really a leader. He just kind of shows up. He plays the game. He does everything he can on the field to play the game. But outside of that, he just kind of wants it. Kind of just wants to sit by his locker, make jokes about things being on first take, and I don't know. 
I have a different take on that. If you if oh, you uh, indulge for me for a minute Give here, me you... the way that I look at it is okay. You know, if that's if that's the kind of guy that he wants to be as a follower at this point in his contract with the way he's playing, I'm okay with that. You know, that's that's okay as long as you have that voice, and that voice has always been David Ortiz. That voice isn't there anymore. They that voice that is guy. now David Price, and that's not okay with me. So. When he goes up to the media and goes, I'm right here, I'm the leader, if you have questions about the leadership on this team, you come directed at me, Yeah, I was, I was a little bit like, okay, here we go, we've got something going oh, here, I finally. Was, oh, not me. I, I, oh, I, really? See, I, I instantly didn't buy it. I was, I was, like, I was buying so, it. I was buying it. so dumb. I thought that was the moment that he was about to start showing some balls no. off the field, and I was, I was very excited no, to see show, that. Because when showing balls off the field be not jumping on top of the dugout, Oh, see, when, when, I, they I, hit, when they hit Manny Machado, oh, that, and not, it's not me, it's not me. About, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, you, were you the leader then, Pedroia? Well, I'm sure, I'm sure you have, I'm sure you have the quote from Mookie Betts about the David Price leadership. Yes, um, that, and we'll get to that in a second. But you look at it and you go, it's August. You know, we're we're in the dog days now. There's only two months left in this season before we get to October. You know, where's guy, that leader? That guy should have emerged in like June. Yeah, and we'll get, and that's the next thing because you. I was listening to this on the radio. You sent me about this is how David Price went on the David Price. Uh, Mookie Betts went on the what is it called? The Bradfo Show. The Bradfo Show. It's a podcast that he does for WEEI. He's uh, one of the beat reporters for uh, the Red Sox. Yes, he's so- very plugged in. Uh, he knows exactly what's going on with the team. He's accused of being a little bit of a homer. So there's no reason any of these guys should be getting on him for you know right. not being yeah, friendly love- to the team. Yeah, they, they love, love these. They guys. love him. They want all these guys. Yeah. yeah, they want these guys. You know. Anyway, so. Yeah, so he had Mookie Betts on, and here's kind of the whole paragraph quote from, you know, apparently about his struggles with becoming a vocal clubhouse leader. This year has just been rough. Just a lot of failure. A lot of adversity, Betts explained. You come off a good year. Last year, had David Ortiz to kind of protect us. Now that he's not here, we don't have one big person to oversee everything. We just have to kind of collectively as a unit pick up where he left off. I feel like I haven't done my part. I do what I can. Petey has been great. He's been playing great. Other guys, Sale has been pitching great. I can't even think of everybody right now on the spot, but I think guys have kind of pushed it. I don't feel like I've done my part pushing. I've had some good moments, but a lot of the stretches, we haven't done anything. This year has been learning how to do that and learning how to get out of it. And this wasn't exactly the quotes I was looking for, but there's other quotes. He basically goes on to say like, we don't really. Nobody's really emerged to be that leader. Yeah, yet. no one has really stepped up. And you know what? Filling that. You were well, the twenty sixteen. Hang, hang on, hang on. Filling in, kind of finding guy, kind of finding a guy to fill in that spot for Ortiz. And I'm paraphrasing here, but finding a guy to fill in that spot for Ortiz has been hard. It might take months. It might take years. Guess what, Mookie Betts? You guys have to figure it. Like Pedroia, Pedroia, like Ortiz isn't coming back. He's not coming back, you and you knew he wasn't like, coming back. We did a whole farewell tour for him. Like you got, what? What do you mean you haven't figured? It's August. What do you mean you haven't figured out who the leader is? Figure I blame it. John Farrell. That's that's my personal take on it. That's and, you know, everyone it, has you, their own take. But you kind of know this with John Farrell, so I'm not like I'm not surprised. Like, nobody stepped up. Like no, like Mookie, you should have been the like. If anybody could have stepped up, should have been you. I understand that you're young and all of that, but, but I totally like you, agree. You know, you were the 2016 MVP runner-up. You you were def- you were a series MVP candidate. So you can't step up, or P- PD PD there can't step up, or actually step up and not be an a-hole about it. See, like, I understand. Like, you God, know, like I was listening to uh, Felger and Maz on the way here, and Jim Murray just put it perfectly. He's like, 
Daddy isn't coming home, guys. Yeah, I know, exactly. Like, Jim Murray said it. He went out for a pack of cigarettes and didn't come and back. He's not coming back. Like, and, daddy, like, no. Pedroia, Step like, up. Ortiz it's time to be gone. a man. You guys have to... What do you mean you can't... You've been gone. Hanley tried to, like, take his locker during spring training. But we all knew that was a joke. We knew See, it was, we knew it was going to be Hanley. I don't know. At least... Han, I mean, I gave him shit then, but... I don't know. At least Hanley was trying, apparently. See, I, I actually... I think Hanley's a much better in the clubhouse presence than we all think he is and you know we all had gave him this whole uh, Hadley looks great oh we gave him everything else oh we right gave now. him we gave him a lot of stick when he was playing left field and not engaged and all of that stuff but then he came in and played first base and you know what he did well last year he performed to the tune of i don't know what he hit it was something like 275 with 30 home runs uh close to 100 rbis and you know what everyone goes that's david uh. ortiz that's david ortiz that's david ortiz you know what i agree it was probably some influence of david ortiz who's f- close friends with hanley but I look at it and I go, okay, if Hanley wants to step up, go for it. I like I, that idea. You know You're what? the big man. Can you really expect anybody to stand up to David Price who's not Dustin Pedroia or Hanley Ramirez? Because he's I making mean, $1 million yeah. to start. Yeah, because seemingly, you know, it should, if anybody can, it should be Pedroia or maybe Mookie because that's the issue. Or last year, yeah, that would have been Ortiz. And I've talked about how that, how that's a big vacuum of leadership. And you- I understand that. But it's real. And I, and I understand they need that leadership. But it's really kind of disheartening to hear that apparently the players are sitting there. And they're also like, we miss Ortiz. Let me ask you a question we here. Need, we need David. He keeps us in line. We can't do it without yeah, him. Yeah, no, like, we're all babies the in the play- room. We're all in elementary school here. Let me ask you a quick question. Do you think this would have happened if we had David Ortiz oh, on the absolutely. team? Oh, absolutely not. Because the no. way that I look at it is he no. came out the other day when he was there for the, the honoring of the 2007 yeah. Red Sox and said... David Price should apologize. Yeah. I look at that and I go, well, this he, apology would have come a month and a half ago if Ortiz was on the team. Would, you think that he would have stood up on the plane? Oh, if, no or, way. He would have stood up right there and if, said, if, sit down. Or if Ortiz was, I don't even think Price would have tried that if Ortiz was sitting right behind him. And you know what? Ob- which is obvious. But we shouldn't. We shouldn't have to say that. The players shouldn't be saying it. Look I out. love David Ortiz, but he's gone. He's the, not coming back. The players, if, if they see him again, he'll be in Cooperstown, and that's like, a big if. Yeah, and I was even saying at a point, I was like, you know what? Maybe the team should just pay Ortiz just to come sit in the locker room. And yeah, just and you know what? Win. I'm a, I'm a big man on thinking the manager's a lot to blame for this. And you know what? We all harp on John Farrell. Sure. I mean, but, yeah. I mean, seemingly like this is what John Farrell's here for. You know, yeah, he's, no, exactly. He's, he's not, supposed to manage the clubhouse. He's not a and not game a, guy, but exactly. he's a great clubhouse manager, and the clubhouse is falling apart. See, this is where I look at it, and I go, if we lost last night in that game that we spent so long dissecting earlier in the show. He's gone. I don't. I don't know if he's gone, but See, I certainly think I, it's a possibility. I, I would have hoped that they would get rid of him. If they go on a skid, I'm and, hoping. And you know what? I don't want us to go on a skid. I think we have a deep roster. I think the talent is there. Maybe not the engagement is they not there, the but you know? there's no doubt that Hanley can play. There's yeah. no doubt that David Price, the top of his game, can play. The problem is these guys aren't engaged, or these guys aren't trying, or these guys just simply don't want to be in Boston. And that's you know, you don't want to be in Boston. So what? Give back the thirty-one million dollars and go somewhere else. Um, you can't do that. So you made a commitment. You have to play, play your best. And I hope this team does well. I really do. But I think John Farrell's gone. I thought John Farrell should have been gone at the end of last season. And, um, you know, he had the cancer and he wasn't really there for most of the season. And Tori Lovolo stepped up and the, the team played great down the stretch with Tori Lovolo, who's now with the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks, by the way, are on fire. Um, yeah. if it wasn't for the, the fact that the Dodgers are far and away the best team in the league. The Dodger, uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks would be on everybody's radar. Yeah, but I, I wish to no end that 
you know, we move on from John Farrell at the end of the season. Yeah, if, we, I, if we don't go listen, deep into the playoffs, listen, I think he's I gone. Too. I I hope. I don't know, but I would hope. Like it would be kind of bizarre to fire a manager at this point in the year, but I hope that they do it. Because they just need somebody. They need some spark. And you know what? They I was leadership. hoping. Because apparently, because literally, apparently, according to Mookie Betts, the players are just sitting around sad that Ortiz is gone. Which yeah, is, and you know you know Ortiz is plugged in. You know Ortiz is still talking to those guys, still I, giving those guys encouragement. I because he, he t- Because he talks about it. He talks about what's going on with the team, and he knows what's going on. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of Red Sox, you know, players who've come back you know you have johnny gomes in the booth this week Ugh. who've come back and no yeah exactly yeah. Oh, yeah. we need more of that oh yeah, yeah we and you know this we, great yeah. team and oh, us my God. you know kimberl threw a great pitch exactly it right down the middle over the plate on an 0-2 count so anyway we'll get back to that in a second yeah. oh, my uh, God. but the way that i look at it is you have all these you know big red sox names around and you have you know it's like they talk about with the celtics you have these all these banners hanging from the ceiling you have this big shadow that's being cast Somebody step up, please. Like, or at least, uh, just don't sit around. Yeah. And just, don't tell. Okay, don't tell. If you're don't even tell it to the media. Keep it in the clubhouse, my friend. Don't tell me, because that hurts me. Like, don't tell me that you guys miss Ortiz this much. Just don't Because say. you think you miss Ortiz. We miss Ortiz, just too. Don't tell the us. fans miss Ortiz. Just don't tell us, because I just don't want to hear that you guys are all sitting around upset that Ortiz yeah, I want to hear. I want to hear somebody step up and go, I'm the guy. Kind of like what Dustin Ortiz, uh, but, uh, Dustin Pedroia did, but I want like him to actually do- be the guy. I, I don't want him to play the role while he's on the television cameras, and then he gets yeah. and sits on the plane and he ambushes uh, Dennis Eckersley. This you know, is just- a Hall of Famer who's yeah, got this. AL MVP awards and Cy Youngs, just, and and then tell him that he doesn't understand how hard the game is. If this- anyone understands it, it's Dennis Eckersley. Yeah, believe and me. I went into that all last week, but this. Dennis Eckersley is back Thursday, which is just a gift oh, from above. That, that is a gift because, because you know what? These broadcasters have just been. These, and, you know, Dave O'Brien is, is a fantastic broadcaster. Don't get me wrong. I loved him on WEI for all those years with Joe Stiglione. But he seems to be a guy who does his job. And only his job. He's not very good with, you know, easing in other guys. Yep. Timlin um, has. Timlin. Sorry, sorry. Mr. Timlin. Yeah. Mr. Timlin didn't do very well. Um, uh, Gomes has. Johnny Gomes. kind of started hot a little bit. He, uh, he was at least. He's, He's entertaining, to say the least. Uh, he gives do- us something to talk about. He doesn't. He doesn't know how to bro- like. He's d- d- not know how to broadcast. Yeah, you know, and Does you can't. Ha- I don't want to really want to harp on Johnny Gomes for that because the Red Sox needed somebody to do it, and he stepped up. And thank he's you for just, that. You know, no, I, I appreciate him stepping up. They could hire actual broadcasters. But you know what? This this goes back to this goes back to the you know, we had, you know, Don and Jerry, yeah. the two greatest broadcasters yep. in baseball as a team as a duo were fantastic. And then, you know. and then ownership decided they wanted to move in a different direction. That's their prerogative. And Dennis Eckersley, don't get me wrong, Dennis is fantastic. fantastic. He's fantastic. Except and I actually, uh, I uh, all due respect to, to uh, Jerry Remy, who I think is fantastic. I think he's been better than Jerry Remy. I think he's been better than Jerry Remy with Dave O'Brien. I think he they ap- just have more chemistry. Yeah, I mean, Eckersley... I mean, Jerry Remy even kind of falls into the Homer stuff. And, he you know, away. he does because he played for the Red Sox and fine. he's been there for so long. But That's it's fine because we all love Jerry Remy. Yeah. And, you know, we all hope that he gets back from his, you know, fight with cancer really soon because we need better. He's, he's got a big heart, you know. And, oh, but then um, you have Johnny Gomes yesterday. Oh, my God. You know what the best thing, you know what the best quote from Johnny Gomes was? Go for it. Yeah, today yesterday was he said something like, "Oh, I love to push the envelope." Oh, I'm see, like, no, I thought you that, don't. I thought that was fantastic because he goes, "I want to push the envelope." Then he goes, "We, us." I'm like, you "No, know. you don't. You want to push the pushing the envelope would be going like, "Hey, Craig Kimbrell on an 0-2 count." Don't throw it down the middle over the. Oh, just don't do that. That's a bad idea. Nope, can't do that though, because because <laughs> since Johnny Gomes, wouldn't like that. Since Johnny Gomes is in the clubhouse. 
probably should be able to jump him or whatever he wants to do. See, I have I have a big issue with with the way that that's being run, and, and this all goes back to the team being soft. This team is all full of babies. They is that are, they're children? They can't you, t- they can't take the noise. That he the, goes. I want to push. I want to push the envelope. I want somebody to push the envelope, I, I, and I don't. I don't feel like Eckersley pushes the envelope. I really oh, don't. I, I, I think. I mean, Eckersley calls people out. He call, stuff. but he calls it the way he sees it. You know, yeah. he he when when you're having a great game, you know, he's fantastic. And Eckersley, you know, my opinion on Eckersley has always been that you know when you're seeing a good pitcher, he's fantastic. He's absolutely the greatest broadcaster when you're listening to a pitching duel. When Chris Sale starts, he might be the greatest broadcaster you know that I've ever heard, mm-hmm. and not so great when it's an offensive game because that's not his game. But he calls it down the middle, and he yeah. always has. And yeah. I appreciate that as a fan because I don't want to be fed this Homer I don't stuff. Want to be and I don't. To. And I don't. To be fair, I don't like the ESPN broadcasts. No, I really don't. I, don't I think either. the ESPN no. team is dreadful. They're also dreadful. Um, we haven't seen a good broadcast team come out here that doesn't have Eckersley in it since no, since pr- 2014. And Eckersley also doesn't do the road games. And he doesn't do the road games. Fair enough. Um, yeah, he he struggles reasons. with he struggles yeah. with alcoholism yeah, in the past. Pro- he wants to. Stay, yeah, yeah and go, fair enough. Fair we can't enough. blame him for doing that. Yeah, we can do whatever he wants. As long as it's not Steve Lyons, oh. I'd I'd be happy with a third broadcaster if we need it. But, but anyway, so the oh. broadcast sucks. But we we really just need to. Sorry, I just had to harp on oh, that. I know fine. that wasn't in the program no, for the trust show me, here. Trust but me, I wanted I get to I wanted to kind of hit on it too. I wanted to kind of let off the steam. It's fine. It actually does feel good. Anyway, though, we are nearing the top of the five. Nearing the midway point of the 5 o'clock hour, but we're no more commercial breaks for the rest of the show, I don't think. You're listening to the Stadium Experience, Jake Elmsley, Joe Godwin. So we're going to dive now into Patriots camp, and the probably the big story from this week is Monday, was it? Monday. I think it was Monday, yeah. Monday, Monday after uh, practice. Rob Ninkovich, after 11 seasons in the league, after his 7th, 8th in New England, has retired. He's left the team. He had a retirement ceremony. Everybody showed up. Everybody he, gave was, a, he gave a great speech, actually. Yep. Um, Every, I thought it was pretty moving. Like, most of the team was there. All the coaches were there. You know, thank ownership. you. Thank you, coach. I gave it my all. Yep, yep. Um, great, great speech. You know, one of the real good Belichick finds. Real good Patriot. Did everything. Retired with, uh, what, the fifth most sacks in Patriots yeah, history? 426 like, sacks or something. Not similar. 400, not like 50. Uh, no, 56 sacks. 426 tackles. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was top in the league most seasons in pass rush. He's definitely the biggest weapon the Patriots have on that defensive line. Uh, um, this this, se- this season, they're going to struggle without yeah, him, I we, think. I want to get into that. Anyway, so before we kind of move into the to the now, I kind of want to keep it on Ninkovich for a second now. He's been a great player, a fun guy to watch, been a great team player. Now, something, though, that I never really thought of that I heard mentioned was um, on Barstool, Jerry Thornton, when writing about just – I love Jerry Thornton. I'm a Jerry Thornton fan. On his write-up about about the Ninkovich retirement, where it's a couple of things that kind of like kind of made me double take. He he mentions that uh, Ninkovich should be in the Patriots Hall of Fame, which <sighs> that's uh, I I can't wow. say. I, See, I I have a view on this, and this this is the thing I have an issue with the Celtics too. Um, the Celtics have this, you know, Hall of Fame that you know their retired numbers for the Celtics is ridiculous. Include players who averaged six points a game because yeah. they were on a championship team because they're they n- won so much. Yeah, exactly because they won titles. So much. Their numbers are retired. Um, thank goodness the Red Sox don't do that. Uh, Ortiz is the first time they've they've inducted somebody who's not you know in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. With the exception of Johnny Pesky, who spent his entire life as a Red Sox. All the way right up until uh, he died, you know, I have his autograph from when I was a kid hanging out at Fenway Park, and mm-hmm. he's in his 80s. So, God bless that. They retire too many numbers in basketball in this in Boston, oh. and in this market, this market in football, 
recently has been dreadful. Uh, uh, no, I, I think, don't think so. I think uh, no, folk, pay- folk is an argument that we could have. You know, I don't. I oddly, but, I don't know why I don't mind folk, but I just don't. See, I, I, I don't mind it simply because of what he meant to me, you know, growing up as you know yeah. one of the great players. I but really, I feel like I shouldn't like it. But I just, I just don't. Well, see, I there's just, a there's a standard you have to hold, and it's it's kind of hard yeah. with a with an organization like like this team, yeah. where folk, most of folk. their most of their players, you know, before Brady, the the Patriots weren't very good. No, and they don't have this illustrious Hall of Fame filled with big names like the Red Sox do no. or like the Celtics should. Um, so they don't have something to compare it to. So they're kind of letting everybody in. But Rob Ninkovich, sure, he played a big part in some of these Super Bowls, but yeah. I don't. I don't see it. No, honestly, I, he should be on the ballot at some point. Oh, I agree. I kind of feel like like you need to like give him that. I agree. He deserves I, some consideration. I just, I just, I don't think so either. I just don't think it's it's enough, really. And then the other thing is he starts comparing Ninkovich to Mike Vrabel, saying he's the Mike Vrabel of like this era of the Patriots, which I just, which is ridiculous. See, I, I, I love Jerry Thornton. He is the definition of a homer in the yeah, Boston Red like, Sox media, media generally, but also with the Patriots. Jack, and John, Mike Vrabel was just he's fantastic. So good. Like Mike Vrabel was like he's the best they've seen at the position. Yeah, he only made the old, he was only an All Pro, you know, one time, but he was but an All Pro. Yeah, and for this team, he Nick, was fantastic. Yeah, and Nink- like Ninkovich is never a, made a pro. Nick, well, Ninkovich is a is a system system player. Yes, um, and he's, who Belichick you know, found another diamond in the rough yeah, by Bill like, Belichick. You know, he's the definition of a Belichick. You know, fine, exactly, but. and he's great within the system. I I doubt very much that they win all five you know Super Bowls if they don't have somebody at defensive end. You know, no, he was I, there for two of them, and I'm sure he's you know a big reason they won yeah, both he of those. Big plays he made big games. plays and big games. He's yeah, a big Nick name guy. Has a legacy here. I just don't think yeah. he should be in the hall. No, like, his legacy. His legacy is he's a winner. He's a yeah. competitor, and he you know he plays very well at his he position. He was an important piece, but also he's somebody who they you know they could have probably found somebody else to do with. Yeah, they no, did. exactly. He's not Vrabel, Tom Brady. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Vrabel. You know, let's, Vrabel let's was, get that out of the way you know, immediately. Not anybody could have played at the level of Vrabel. I'm not saying anybody could have played at the level of Ninkovich, but. Somebody else could have. They could find somebody else to fill other, that slot. They have I mean, other DNs from Purdue. And you know what? They find they find players. Exactly. Diamonds in the rough is something that Bill Belichick does. That's now, what he does. You know, they lose Rob Gronkowski and they have Martellus Bennett. Yeah, yeah. fantastic and, player. Played yeah. extremely well. And, He's one of the reasons we won yeah, last and, and season. Hang on, we can get into some, actually have some more takes on some tight end stuff later. And you know, and I'm gonna completely pivot from saying that they could have found anybody to do it and kind of talk about how now at training camp. The first day or two, uh, probably one of the big, one of the surprise things was uh, Coney Ely was not there. They he, had a they had a few missing uh, missing guys from yep, practice but today. The big, well, the big no, like the first day of training camp, Coney Ely was not there. He missed some of mini camp. Coney Ely was talking, saying, you know, oh, it was Coach Bill, which kind of took me surprised. I referred to him as Coach Bill, but we'll get into that. What surprised me was the way that he he threw the blame like that. That's not yeah, a very exactly. patriot way of doing exactly. it. Exactly. You know, Coney the way Ely. to the way to do it is, you know, the Malcolm Butler way. Malcolm Butler's exactly. very unhappy with his contract. You know that he he wants to be paid more, and he thinks he's underpaid. But he shows up to practice, exactly, so and Coney, he plays, and he he says all the right things to the media, yep. and he might have his disagreements with Bill Belichick, but he doesn't let exactly. us hear about it. So Coney Ely kind of saying it was kind of jarring, didn't seem like he was you know doing kind of what, probably what they wanted to do, Coney Ely, and that kind of you know that kind of kind of brought up a conversation of something that I kind of feel like a lot of us never thought of, which now looking back we were all kind of being dumb, is that. When Carolina made the trade, we were all like, oh, this is great. He's a young, talented guy. They only had to move down eight spots to get him. And then, looking back, I kind of wonder why none of us were asking the question, myself included. You know, none of us really asking, you know, why are they trading this guy? 
Well, it like, goes back. It goes back to the you know the uh, old age adage of "in bill we trust." Well, That's, no. that seems to be how this but works. I'm is that like we were, none of us were really saying that, and then you have Ron Rivera kind of saying stuff like, "Oh, well, if he's willing to take the coaching, he'll be good." And kind of re- if if is the exactly. highlighted and word I've there. Been kind of reading some of the scouting reports on this guy and coming out of college. People were having it. People were kind of taking issue. People were saying, you know, he doesn't seem like he might seem like a guy who might not be willing to take coaching. That might be a problem. Well, if that's the case, he's gone, and that's, and that's the way. That's the Bill Belichick that's way. That's point. the Patriot like, way that's at this point. An issue. None of us were really thinking of this, but they really they got him for nothing. They moved down eight spots in the draft, and there's probably a reason for that because teams aren't. And I really feel like an idiot for not thinking of this, but you know, teams aren't usually just so willing to move on from 25-year-old pass rushers, even if they're in a contract year. Yeah, no, that's that's a fact. And, you know, Ex- and pass rushers are at a premium exactly. in the league. Uh, because if you can rush a quarterback, if you can put pressure on a quarterback, you can, like, say, the Steelers can yep. because they have such good players on the defensive line, you're going to succeed. You exactly. know, they got them and to the AFC Championship. I mean, look at the Texans. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think the Texans match up better against the Patriots than most teams in, in the Absolutely. AFC because simply they because can, they can rush the passer. Great pressure. Anyway, so that's concern that really like what's wrong with this guy now we're kind of seeing you know maybe some of the cracks are showing like maybe there actually is maybe he's a little bit more of a problem child than we were giving him credit for so that could be an issue because if Coney Ely is out kind of on his own and also if he's not willing to work now because I've said this from the beginning that if Coney Ely has a good year here he's gone Oh, I agree. Because he's totally like, gone like because that's come, how this works. Like, if Cody Ely can come here, have a good year, put up numbers, sack the quarterback six, seven, eight times even, just just that much, some team will give him a giant contract. And he must know that. So if he's, you know, being kind of a dick about it now and isn't just being like, you know, like, if I just listen to Coach Belichick, get in the right position to succeed, get some sacks, look good. Then I'll, I'll get out of here and I'll, I'll get paid. T- or... They'll pay me, and it won't be them that pays him, but I'll make a ton of money. Yeah, someone's going to pay me big money if I'm just to go somewhere else you know, if, if I just don't be get in the way. Yeah, if I don't and just get in the way. If that's – and once again, I don't want to, like, write the close the book on this guy because obviously he's, going, he's been at practice now, and he's looked okay, they've been saying. But if this is the case, I'm just reading what's been put in front of me so far. If this is the case that that's, like, maybe not enough to just make him shut up, might be a problem. This guy might be a problem. I'm not saying he'll be gone, but maybe he won't be the guy that we were all hoping. So, I don't know. You know, we might see a situation like we saw last season where they deal him, and everybody goes, why are you dealing this guy? He's playing so well. Maybe Belichick doesn't want to deal with him well, and gets rid of him. he's not to put in the work. Maybe exactly. he doesn't work because he he's yet to find consistency. He was, exactly. And you know, he had the Super Bowl against the against Denver. Against he was Denver, fa- yes. He was fantastic. Oh, he performed to a level that I, I didn't expect Absolutely. from him, like and I don't think anybody expected like from tra- him. He was looking like a all pro guy. Yeah, he looked he looked like the best defensive player just, on the field right there with the exception of some of the guys on the on the Denver side. Yeah, of the and ball. he hasn't, you know, he hasn't had the consistency, but you know, we were kind of hoping he could get something out yeah, of him. Yeah, we see but, some flashes. But maybe if you're not able to get that out of him with Ninkovich retiring, with this with that, you know, the, are the Patriots in trouble at defensive end? The end spot is starting to look like a problem. It's starting it is, to look a little thin, and you know, it's looking very all, outside, all we've heard from because outside of Trey Flowers, who have they been starting? They've been when Cody Ely wasn't there, they were starting. I can't even think of the guy's name. Exactly, I don't even know who's on the depth chart behind them because Ninkovich has been a staple there for the last exactly. seven or eight years. So, um, and I didn't, I didn't even look, but I don't know. I've been following, you know, the stuff from training camp. On mostly on Zolak and Bertrand because yep. they they broadcast live from there, yep, so yep. you get their live reactions. Yeah, 
Um, I don't know. You tried. You said you were going to try to get to training camp at some point. Yeah, I wasn't able to um, get there yet. But it's just you know the DN spot. But the DN spot does is thin. Kind of look thin. And, and it's I'm something. Not saying it's enough to sink this team because I've been saying forever that kind of the front seven in general is thin on this team. They're still thin at linebacker, but. Oh, I think I think they're thin in a few spots, but it's something that we don't really hear on the media because the, the team two reasons: is the team is loaded. The team is loaded. They added Brandon Cooks to an offense that was already top yep. two in the league. Mike Gillisley and Stephon Mike Gillisley, and you know the running back core is, is is the best running back core that I think Brady's had in his a- tenure in a while. You in his tenure, but- and uh, you know you see weapons that he has, and you go. Oh my God! This is even if he, is even great. if he falls off, the, they they can't lose on they, offense. Exactly. But you know, you're looking at this now, and the defense even seemingly should be loaded because they've upgraded the cornerback group significantly. And that and their corner group is one of the best coverage corner groups yeah, in and, the league. And I like their safety group a lot. Their deep at safety. It's just, but if you look at this, is DN going to be a problem? Because then you know, where do they go if Coney Ely doesn't work out? Do they go to? Derek Rivers, who they drafted, who seemingly is a guy who needs some seasoning. They drafted another DN, but he's supportedly, reportedly a very raw guy. Or something else that I've been hearing that I actually like this idea is that maybe they do more of, since David Harris has actually been a lot further along than you might have thought. David Harris has been looking very good in camp. Yep. Maybe you put David Harris at middle linebacker more and you bring Hightower down to DN a lot. See, I, I don't see that happening simply because Dante Hightower has been performing for his entire tenure in New England in that position that yeah, he plays. Well, well, I don't see I don't see them moving him around. I'm just saying you let you let Hightower rush the pass more, which he's done. Which which I, I, I saw, actually like to see from that perspective because I think he's Bowl. fantastic. You saw it in the Super Bowl. And, and you know what? The the coverages that you see from, from the defense are terrific but the pass rush needs to be there because exactly. if you don't rush the passer you That's, know quarterbacks like Andrew Luck will be able to pick you apart there are there yes. are quarterbacks in the league who can do it they're not many who can but, pick apart a secondary you know, as talented as the need, Patriots who you need to be to wit to do what you want to do you're not going to be facing a blank you're not going to be, not gonna be facing you know Andy the, Dalton the, the, yeah no Bowl. exactly you look at it and you go the Patriots are playing 18 or 19 game seasons every season yeah this need, is no longer a 16 season team for the last I don't know, seven or eight years minimum, they've been playing extra games. And you look at it and you go, there's got to be some wear and tear on some of the guys. And maybe that's why Bill Belichick brought in some new faces this year, uh, because he sees something that we don't see. But you look at it and you go, you know, I, at least I look at it and I go, I trust Bill Belichick to make the right call. And what that call is, is going to take some discussion. You know, we don't really know. You know, I don't know who's out there at defensive end at this point in camp. Well, I mean, one guy, like a guy who I kind of like, maybe they bring in a guy who I've kind of thought about, maybe they bring in Dwight Freeney. See, I could see that. He doesn't. He didn't have a ton of, and he's talked to this team before, he didn't have a ton of production last year in Atlanta, but, you know. But, you know, that's that's something that I look at and I go. leadership. Yeah, no, he shows leadership, and that's something that Bill Belichick looks at. And it's not something look that at you what see. He did, like, look what he did. Like, last year, Vic Beasley was people already like, ooh, like, maybe he's a bust. He comes in, Vic Beasley talks about how much... Dwight Freeney helped him, and Vic Beasley led the league in sacks last year. So I don't know. Maybe Dwight comes in and shows Trey Flowers a thing or two, and suddenly Trey Flowers has 15, 16 sacks. I don't know, but they're going to, you know, well, A, they're going to need production from Trey Flowers because they're not willing to just say, shut shut in case. Shut like, the door on Trey Flowers. Like say, oh, yeah, Trey Flowers is obviously going to be able to man the DN spot the entire league. It will be super consistent. I don't know. He was good last year, but still, he's been guys with injury problems. So even then, if you want to go even further, maybe they're even thinner than we're thinking because maybe Trey Flowers isn't the... Isn't you know, the guy that, isn't that the we all need him to be. Um, anyway, so mo- moving on from that, though. So I want to get into kind of like the last segment of the show, something I want to do. I go wrote, for it. I wrote up a list of, like, I believe it's about eight things that could or couldn't... Sh- 
you know, sink the Patriots season. And these aren't things that I necessarily believe, but they're things I've read. They're things I've okay. heard. Some of them are things I think, and I just kind of want to go through them, and me and you will both All right. comment Sounds on good. You know, will they, is this enough or is this not enough to, you know, really, really hurt the Patriots season? So, number one, Gronk goes down. Uh, I look at it and I go, that doesn't sink your season. Uh, you added the best receiver um, that yep. was on the market in, in Brandon Cooks. Sure. And you have guys like Amendola. Uh, you have guys like Julian Edelman, um, among others, mm-hmm. who can catch the ball in a, sp- in a tight spot. And you looked at it. Last year we succeeded We succeeded with our number two guy in Martellus yep. Bennett, who guaranteed is, is, or granted, is much better than our number two guy this season, and that's kind of you know I kind of want which to is that. which is an issue, and that's something that I'm sure you'll touch on when you talk about it. But let me let me start it off with this: I see a successful season as the Patriots is, is hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. There yeah, is no there is there like, is no AFC like Championship what, game yes, success. Yes. That's what we're talking like. This is like will the Patriots like this happening? Will this really hurt the Patriots Super Bowl? Champs? Yeah, we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna host a banner that says AFC East champs. Yeah, yeah, this this is a con- so yeah so Gronk going down is. No, I don't think it sinks the season either because they've they've gone through it before. But also, you know, this isn't a situation where you have Martellus Bennett coming in, who's a guy who's made, who can produce, who's made Pro Bowls. Like Martellus Bennett is a legit starting tight end. Yeah, no. When I when I saw Martellus Bennett on the roster last year, and I, and I Gronkowski, people were, make, people were making a big enough deal out of it. See, I, I was I made a I made a comparison, and you know. We all know what Aaron Hernandez is, you know, a uh, t- terrible human being that he is. Right, but the guy was, could play football. He was a legit. He was the guy could play football. A legit top five tight end when he was and, playing. You know, the Gronkowski Hernandez combination allowed Bill Belichick so many liberties. Yes. Um, on offense, and Josh McDaniels is able to exploit those. And you know, we know that Brady knows how to exploit defenses. And I was looking at that, and I was going, "Oh my God, it's gonna be, it's gonna be that team all over again." Yes, you're gonna have those offensive weapons. And we didn't have Gronk, and we still survived. I think we can do it again. It's just I because Dwayne Allen isn't Bennett. Like I think we need to make. I like Dwayne Allen. Oh, I, like, I agree, but he's but not he's, Martellus Bennett. But he's not. So that could be an issue. I still think it sinks the team though, because they are deep. They have a lot of skill position players. Now here's another one. Next one is Hightower, who's always hurt, misses. You know, real time. See, I you got to define real time there for me because if he misses real time and it's the beginning of the season, I think we're okay. That's fit because I thought about that. I was saying, okay, Hightower misses the Super Bowl in the AFC Championship game. I'll, we're in I'll, trouble. I'll, I'll we're in ante. trouble. And I agree with you because I've said this a long time that besides, you know, the interior of the O-line, which I'm willing to yield, a lot of other people like, I don't think you can argue that linebacker is a real point of weakness on this team. See, I agree. And, you know, the, the problem that I see with that is that now that we're weak at DE, we can't afford to be weak anywhere else on that line on that, that re- or really in that inside box seven. because exactly. the front seven is, is, a, is a big deal because our safeties and our corners are very strong. Um, but if you have a hole in the front line, you're going to get run on all day long exactly. and we're going to have you, problems. Do you, how much do you trust David Harris if he had to be the, full, the starter for the full for the See, I don't. And I'm not sure that I wouldn't because the reports have been good. David Harris hasn't been a starter before, and I love the player, and I'm glad they have him. But that's another, you know, that that could hurt them. Yeah, well, it depends on where your bar is. And anywhere also, else, anywhere else in the league, you know, getting to the AFC Championship yeah. game and losing is a good season. Yeah, but we're not talking, in New England. At, you know, last two Super Bowls, Hightower made, you know, the big play, some of the biggest play. First, he stopped Lynch on the one yard line. Huge, huge, huge play. play, and he had the strip sack on last, Matt Ryan that yeah. completely reversed that game. Which, which. Granted, Bill Belichick, like you mentioned uh, last week on your broadcast, has been treating this this offseason like they lost. Exactly. And that's the way to go about it. I'm surprised that he didn't add a little bit more depth there, but I think And he did he added depth with David Harris, but it's just and But I, is David Harris the guy? Because if Hightower goes down 
I we're think, in trouble. I think that David Harris could start. I don't think you'd... If David Harris was a starting middle linebacker, I don't think you'd look at that and you're mad about that. I think that's definitely better than, you know, they where they were, where now you're looking at, you know, Roberts or Van Noy. Yeah, someone down the depth chart who's kind of a system player, yeah. wouldn't really be a starter somewhere else in the league. Crap. Uh, totally understood. Anyway, so then the next one, here's an, here's an interesting one, because you mentioned you're a big fan of the running back group, and I am too, but say... This is a very green running back group. None of these guys have ever been full-time starters. And none of these guys are, you know, products of a Bill Belichick yep. system. And uh, Mike, well, besides White, but, you know, Mike Gillisley has, is the leader, you know, and has had the most carries in a single year of any of these guys at 100. So, say none of these running backs, Gillisley, Burkhead, White, Bolden, I guess. We'll throw uh, him in well, there. Bolden, Bolden's a special teams For guy as far sake. as I'm concerned. But you're saying none of these running backs emerge as a real legitimate starter. Does that sink this team? Does this really? Does that really? Because we're talking about this running back group a lot, and we should because it's a versatile group. But say that none of them really emerge like a real legitimate, not necessarily a three down guy, but you know, a real legit like a force, one hundred on fifty, two hundred carry guy. So uh, the question that I then have to ask in order to to answer that question is. Is Deion Lewis healthy? Because the okay. Red Sox have yet to lose. Uh, not the Red Sox. The Patriots have yet to lose a game where he starts Fair. and carries the majority of the so, of well, the carries starts, on where he plays. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And where he carries the majority of the ball, he's electric. He's offensive. He's yep. downhill guy, but he can go side to side, um, and he gives he gives Brady a weapon in the receiving. If none of these guys pan out, I see the I see that maybe they're in trouble. Because mm-hmm. I don't see Brady's arm, and I, he's 40, and I'm going to be – I'm not the first to mention that he's 40 years old. I'm not the yep. first to mention that eventually there's a drop-off point. You know there's going to be a drop-off point at some point in his, in yep, his life because there just has later. to be. You just hope it's later rather than sooner. Uh, I don't want Brady throwing the ball 80% of the downs. No, you hope that by bringing these running backs – you know, Gillisley and White are – not Gillisley – Burkhead and White are both pass-catching guys. Yeah, but they're both pass-catching guys, Gillisley but I don't want is, a pass-catching guy. Gillisley is who you're hoping is the guy who can you know really carry the ball. Yeah, we want somebody who can carry the ball at least 30% power, of the downs, you know, and be a power guy, not, give him a third-down option that's not throwing the football, and try to rest Tom Brady's arm a little bit. Exactly. You know, maybe help you convert some of those third-and-twos in the middle of the field. That yeah, rather, than, rather than have to put the pressure on Brady's arm every single down. So, But if, he's, you know, if, he, if somebody's not able to step up and do that... Then you know, we're in trouble. I think that could be a problem. I don't think that sinks the team because they've won with, you know, not so good running backs before. I mean, they won in 2014 with, I mean, they won with Blount last year. So, like, it's not like they can't, they can't, you know, manufacture a running back group where everybody's, you know. Where playing. everybody has a little role yeah. and, you know, we see a little bit of competition is a good thing. I would love to see competition well, you know, in camp, but if none of these guys emerge, we're in trouble. I think that that could hurt them. I don't think that kills them. I don't think that sinks them. But next one, this one is a big one for me. Uh, Marcus Cannon regresses. Stop! Isn't the guy we saw last year? Then we're in big trouble. I agree with because you. Because I think that sinks their season. Um, I and I'm, I'm sure I'm sure that um, there's other reasons that I'm going to mention. But my main reason is we have a somewhat strong offensive line up the middle, um, and our defense is is uh, good in the secondary. But there's other parts of our team that aren't very strong. And Cannon is one of those guys that last year emerged as this. This big Real guy who could handle his side of the field, right and he protects, protects, protects Brady, and gives him all the time in the world. If we don't have him, we're in trouble because you see teams like the Falcons, teams like Houston can yep. get to Brady, and exactly. if they get to Brady, we're in trouble. You, you see, look it, at the 2015 
AFC Championship game when Marcus Cannon was being used as a turnstile by Von Miller. No, exactly. And, and I look at it and I game. go, uh-oh. Because I look at it and I go, remember that time? I forget who we were playing. It was, it was week week four or five last season, or the season before, I'm sorry. Like the Tom Bahali game? And the Chiefs, yes, the yeah, Chiefs game, yeah. Exactly. And we were getting absolutely destroyed up the middle. Yeah. Brady was getting absolutely the, hammered into the dirt. And Everybody the playoff, went, oh my God, is he done? Is he the, done? Are it, the Patriots in trouble? Hey, and in the Super Bowl this year, you saw the Patriots were getting destroyed up the middle. We had the most improbable comeback yeah, that will that, e- will ever happen, and we were that, getting were destroyed get, before that. Up the middle, they were getting ruined up and the middle, and that's a problem. And that that's always kind of been the key to success. That's been the only way teams that's, can stop Tom Brady you, is rush Tom Brady. If you can get to, him out of his spot, maybe maybe you have a chance. Yeah, you have a chance, and that's what I mean. You saw that even in the Texans playoff game. No, exactly. And the Texans to, are a good team on yeah. their defensive seven. Yeah, and when they were able to really rush him with Jadavion Clowney and Merciless and all them, like they were. They were they were able to stay in that game for a little while. That game wasn't as easy as we no, thought. No, no, so. no. They hung in there because they can keep Brady uncomfortable. Yeah, and and listen, if you can keep Brady uncomfortable, you have a chance. And if Marcus Cannon regresses and isn't you know the guy we saw last year, they're in trouble. And also beyond that, they don't have a lot of depth. They don't really. I think that's the other huge hole on this team is they don't have any O line depth. If you ask see, me. yeah, no, we have no O line depth. We have a lot of O line versatility. Uh, uh, a lot of these guys, I think, I see them play. You know, Dave Andrews, things like that. They can play multiple positions on the O line. The problem with that I see... Who do they have as a backup? Ta- you know, if a tackle goes down, who do you trust putting out on... I don't trust any of those guys. That's the point. You don't. The problem The problem that I have so is Marcus mainly that... isn't the guy we think he... Look, they drafted some tackles, which I think was the right move. I like Antonio Garcia. I do. I think He's Antonio Garcia is a good guy. And it's good that they drafted the guy to develop, but none of those guys are guys that I want to see this year. And I think that's the problem. So that, I think th- I think that sinks their season because Brady legit. needs one hit and he's gone. And I think, I think we legit. can both agree if Brady goes down, and even we're if done. He stays healthy. I just if they're if teams able to put pressure on him, that's a real legit problem for this team. I agree. If and Marcus hopefully, hopefully, you know, the addition of Brandon Cooks on offense gives him that one and outlet and that's that he can thing. beat. You know, just like he has Julian yep. Edelman, that he can just get rid of the ball. Yep. You know, well, that listen, could be his receiver. A, and this is my next one. And I guess I'll kind of pair these next two because they actually go together kind of well. They are Brandon Cooks acts like a dick slash Stefan Gilmore. Actually, no. We'll do Brandon Cooks first. Brandon Cooks acts like a dick because we saw in New Orleans where he came from, on obviously, yep. that, you know, he had kind of that, you know, that closed mouths don't get fed game. Yeah. And, you know. He was pretty really. Upset. I want to be the number one guy. I want to be the number one Michael guy. Michael Thomas really emerged there. He was taking away targets from him, and he got upset about it. And you know, New England, you know, how will he stand if you know he has a big game? You know, week two, he goes out, has 150 yards, two touchdowns, great game, and then next week, he has you know two catches for 11 yards. Yeah, and, and he's, he's only targeted three times. Yeah, and Edelman has you know 70 yards. How does he take that? See, I I think that he knew coming in. That he was supposed to be their Randy Moss kind of guy, their deep threat attack well, that they the that though. they've been missing. But well, that's the point. If he thinks he's going to be Randy Moss, but though, he knows he's that he's, in his mind going. Well, if he's thinking, oh, I'm going to be the next Randy Moss for this team, then he's probably thinking he's going to shatter receiving records. Then. See, I don't I don't think that's the case because I look at it and I think he knows that he's here to win championships. He's not here to shatter individual records. He's here mm-hmm. to win the Lombardi Trophy well, see, this season. Well, here's and, the thing, though. If he had picked to go here, I'd feel a lot better. But remember, he didn't pick to be here. Yeah, no, that's, so, that's true. But you know, if a guy's coming in here and they're picking to go, I'm like, yeah, like this guy knows what he's in for, but... Yeah, um, but you look at it and you go, okay, fair enough. You don't, He wants to be the number one guy. But he had to know the second that he arrived on the Patriots that this wasn't his team. No. This is not his team. This is this is not Julian Edelman's team or Robert Gronkowski's team. It's Tom Brady's team. Yeah, I don't think he's... So won. I look but, at I mean, it and I go... I mean, the Saints were Drew Brees' team, though. Oh, I agree. But I look it. at it and I go, 
if Tom Brady likes him and thinks he's a and thinks he's the guy, then he'll be the guy. Right, Currently, right now, the guy is Julian Edelman, and yeah, but he's got to know that. But even Edelman has games where he just barely gets targeted. As so I'm saying, though, like if he has a game like that, coming off of a great game, what happens? Like where does see? I I can see a little bit of conflict in there, but the the way the Patriots you know handle conflict is you know we're on to Cincinnati or forget it. But, like you know, this weekend, kinda, Stephen kinda, Gilmore and or not Gilmore. I'm sorry. Yeah, Gilmore. It was Gilmore. Uh, yeah, it was Gilmore. Gilmore and Edelman. Got Gilmore and Edelman fight. got into a little bit of a scuffle. They yeah. both got ejected, and Bill Belichick's uh, comment was, you know, that's internal team matter, and we're moving on. But I don't see, think though, we'll hear any of that. No, we might see a little bit of a drop off in production from Cooks if he's not engaged. That's the thing. But, if he starts to pout, but how much if, is that but if but if you pout and you have Tom Brady throwing you the ball, are you really pouting? There's a certain level of skill that he has there. You know, even if he's not engaged, he's a skilled receiver. And yeah. He's going to catch the football when it's thrown his way most of the time. If he's the, if he's engaged, there's no question in my mind we're going to, we're going back to to the uh, Super yep. Bowl. Okay. And if he's not engaged, I have no I I still have no question in our mind that we're still an offensive force. And I think Danny Amendola has always been. Tom Brady's go-to guy, That's and everyone, okay. everyone yeah. has this whole Julian Edelman's the go-to guy. I disagree. I Amandola think Amendola is very Amendola is the guy that Tom Brady situation. looks for yep. when he needs the catch. And yep. anyway, okay. I could see that being an issue. Yeah, no, and I I agree with you for the most part. I think that as long as he's at least somewhat engaged, he'll be able to get production out of him. And also, this team's deep enough that I could take him kind of being a dick. So I don't think that one necessarily sinks the season. Next one is now I think this is a bigger one. Uh, Gilmore can't pick it up. Gilmore kind of shuts it down. Gilmore isn't the guy we thought. Then we're in trouble. I agree with that because if he steps down and now suddenly, in, like he's like can't even play to the level of Logan Ryan, I think that's a big deal for this team. Because and se- see, well now you're sleeping on Logan Ryan because I think Logan Ryan is talented. I really I, do. I don't love Logan Ryan. I think that Gilmore's a big upgrade over Logan Ryan. I was never a huge Logan Ryan guy. Okay, all right. See, I think I think he's a big upgrade. I think, he but I think Logan Ryan is more than an adequate an adequate backup. I think I think, I think he could be a starter two. somewhere else in the league. Well, he, um, I mean, he got just got ten million a year from Tennessee. Yeah, no, but Tennessee, I, I don't see Tennessee as a no. as a Super Bowl contender. No, but I anyway, think he so, could be a starter and a talented force. But yeah, so we'll what, see. One thing I think is that I'm actually pretty glad that uh, Gilmore is getting into it yesterday with Edelman. Oh, I agree. I think it shows some engagement. Just because you know, you was that little part of the back of your head that's like. Hey, like, you know, first round pick gets his big deals. He just kind of got to not really care as much anymore. Oh, no, I agree. And the hope the hope is that he continues to play this way because, you know, you know that Julian Edelman had to go in there and be like, listen, I'm drawing the line. You can do X, but you can't do Y. You can't hit me that, you know, that hard in practice. You can't do this. This is my team. And he goes back like, hey, like no, I'm like I'm he's yeah, competing. Like, like hey, I'm is- competing. I'm trying to play. I'm trying to play for this team. I'm trying to win games. And I'm sure they went back and shook hands. I'm sure that's not an issue. Yeah, no, but, but I hope. But I hope that, that I hope that that intensity continues he, he has, after he, getting you know exactly. attacked by Edelman a little bit. Exactly. And he, he he's not shutting it down. Because if he does shut deal. it down, I think we're in trouble in the secondary. And that's, our secondary is extremely talented. I think. But that hinges um, on you know it's super talented because you have another because guy you have a second guy behind be Malcolm Butler. Yeah, no, exactly because Malcolm Butler is by far and away the best corner on this team but with Gilmore you have the versatility you know yeah and exactly Gilmore, and a lot can, of teams have one weapon you know if you could take one weapon away from a lot of yeah, teams you'll win games like but if, if you could take two weapons away yeah or fantastic. you know with, I love the Gilmore because you know you could put if maybe a team because a lot of the time you know Butler doesn't cover the number one receiver on the team if the receiver's a big guy you know if it's a Julio Jones or Des Bryant type of guy you know Usually Malcolm Butler doesn't cover them. He no, usually, exactly. That's he covers a, the Antonio Browns, the Odells. But you know, and you, you know, if you have a guy like Gilmore, who maybe you feel like you can put on a guy like Julio Jones for some plays, and not really feel like you need the safety help. See, I see that. I see Gilmore as a as a Brandon Browner 
kind of corner. And um, I don't go that far. I don't think he's I don't think he's that transcendent. I, no, I, I but I think I think that's insulting to Gilmore. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't I think cuz I think I think Browder I think he's he, I think he has that kind of that kind of level of ability and physicality well, that I, he can really I add to this that, team. I just think that Browner was kind of a stiff. I think Browner got overrated just cuz he came in here with Revis. So fair like, enough, fair enough. That combination, you know, the whole the, you know, like doom Revis, aspect in New England. Revis, ooh, and Browner, wow. Yeah, no, exactly. We got two great corners. That's, yeah, I just that's think, true, Browner, fair enough. Browner got penalized. Like, every Browner was kind of a but I But I think physicality-wise, that, that's I, what Gilmore can I do is that cover that think, big guy. Yeah, I just don't think that, you know, Browner could have covered some of those receivers. Like, Browner covered tight ends okay, but, like, I think Gilmore can cover some of the big receivers in this league. Well, I hope I hope he can because if he can, that means That's big things huge. for the Patriots. Because then you know, once again, they don't maybe they don't need safety help every play with him. Maybe they can give Rowe help. Like just they have a lot more versatility. No, I agree. Anyway, so then the last one we'll say here. This is a big one. This is one I've been worried about. Is um, say that the Patriots kind of can't find a way, you know, without Jamie Collins with the linebacker group the way it is. This is something that really concerned me through the playoffs last year. Say that the Patriots, you know, since they don't have a real, like, a coverage linebacker type guy, say that they can't figure out a way to really cover, like, you know, your dual threat running backs, like your Le'Veon Bells, your Devontae Freemans, guys like that. In say, the passing lanes or in the running lanes? The passing lanes. Like, okay, you can't see, find I, have, really... I, have an issue, I have an issue with that, but I, I, it depends on how our front seven performs. Well, that's the point, that, you know, they don't, um, they, and I've said that linebacker is a weakness for his team for a while, and ever since they traded Jamie Collins, which I'm not saying I disagree with that move, but without that, they lost that guy they had, who you, who, mind you, he sucked in the playoffs a lot, but they lost that guy, you know, you put on the Le'Veon Bells, you put on the Devontae Freemans, you have them kind of cover them in the passing game, and you feel confident. Like, I don't feel confident throwing Van Noy out there on Bell. And my Fair view, enough, but I don't feel confident throwing anybody against against Bell. No, Bell is a fantastic transcendent player at running back. Linebacker, you feel it can at least limit him to some degree. Oh, see, I, I feel like if a team's main weapon is, is a running back like Le'Veon Bell or or like a, uh, and now I can't can even think Freeman. of it, a Devontae Freeman. Coleman too. He was yeah, a- Devontae Freeman. They're, you know, you're, not going, you're not going to slow the team down to a huge extent with one guy. You need a you need a collective okay. effort from your front seven. Um, I think collectively, and right, I'm sure who, Bill I'm sure Bill Belichick front, and uh, who in this front seven covers a running back then if he goes out for a pass. Oh, see uh, that that's something that I don't know, and I'm sure Matt Patricia has some idea. Um, because well, I don't, I don't look at it. they didn't really have that guy last year though because Bell was hurting them in the game. Even well, they they didn't, they didn't really have they haven't really had that guy since they traded Jamie Collins and, and was a week point. four. If they can't, um, but find if they that. can survive, if they survived it with Jamie Collins, and I'm sure Bill Belichick, you know, he did his due diligence and went, okay, what am I, well, you know, did, what am I losing here? They didn't. Add, it's just they didn't add anybody, and Freeman was. Oh, he's absolutely really murderous. Them in the Super Bowl. He was absolutely murderous, was, and, and the fact that he didn't. Carry it more in the second half is why they lost. They I mean, we won. are we are very lucky that you know Hightower came up with a big strip sack. Or... Yeah, but even then, like if Freeman had played more in the second half, they would have won that game. Oh no, no, F- and they, no, they, no doubt in my mind that, that we guy. we pulled that we pulled that out of the hat. You know, um, circa two thousand and four game yeah. four ALCS for the Red Sox. And mind you, like once again, like I, I guess I'll say that I think this is a concern. But also, every team has a hole, and they did, and they were able to beat the two teams with those exact two guys I just named. Last year, so I guess I can't harp on it too much, but it's just it's something to watch. And I, agree. I don't think any one of these things necessarily sinks this team, 
But if you kind of, you know, if you start to get a combination, if you get a combination, then the, the Patriots are definitely are definitely in trouble. in trouble. And the only thing that I think that really sinks their season is the obvious one, and that's Tom Brady. Yeah, that's my. That you was lose my Tom, ne- you lose that, Tom Brady, and you're you're done. That's, that was my next one, and I just that didn't even feel like worth it. And, yeah, no, and everyone like, everyone thinks that Garoppolo is good, but there's no way yeah, that you win the Super Bowl the Super with Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo, no matter how deep the team is. But once again, you know, the fact that it was a struggle for me, I wanted to have ten, and I struggled to make this list. I and did. that's a that's a good sign for us going that's into going into uh, training camp here because yep. hopefully we're looking at a repeat of hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. Yeah. So anyway, so once again, it's cards. The Patriots are deep. They're looking deep. So anyway, though, it's um that special time of week again when I say adieu to all of you. Thank you to Joe for coming on. Uh, check him out on RealSports101.com. Read his articles. He posts once or twice a week. He said. Anyway, though, you have been listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on ninety point seven. WXIN. We hope to have Joe on another time. It's been fun having you here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yep. Anyway, though, this episode will be posted on SoundCloud, the official Stadium Experience SoundCloud, and will be uploaded to iTunes. So check both those out. Look up SoundCloud. Look at iTunes, the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley. Anyway, though, we will be back next week talking everything that's going on in Boston sports right here, 4 to 6 p.m. on 90.7 WXIN. Anyway, you've been listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley. I am Jake Elmsley. I am signing off, and we will see you next week.